Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, everybody. Robert Evans here, and I wanted to let you know this is a compilation episode. So every episode of the week that just happened uh, is here in one convenient and with somewhat less ads package. For you to listen to in a long stretch if you want. Uh, if you've been listening to the episodes every day this week, there's going to be nothing new here for you, but you can make your own decisions. Welcome to Assassination Week. Pew pew. Bang bang. Timed explosive device. JFK, etc. Hello, welcome to Assassination Week. I hope you liked that intro from our good friend who we commissioned to do that uh, intro from. Uh, mm-hmm. So big props to them for giving us like 10 seconds of their time to record that intro. Wow, it's it's been so long since we've been planning to do this. Yep, but uh, here we are talking about killing people. It's great because when we first thought of Assassination Week, we're like, how are we going to fill five episodes? They're, they're, and then there's like so many more assassinations happening. There were, there were yeah. two the next day. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. yeah we've, we've decided to stop imagining things into the ether um yeah and so maybe assassination month is coming uh who knows <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, 
Hey, yeah. look, here's the thing. If 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 people keep getting assassinated, we will do more assassination episodes. That is the way it works. Yep. That's uh, that is sadly part of our job. Uh so We've already done one, I guess. We did, we did uh, Shinzo Abe a little bit, but we're coming back to him. We're, uh, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, gonna do, we're gonna do Shinzo Abe too later because yeah. we, have a, we have a lot more yeah. context information about the assassination yeah. now. But yeah. that that is later this week. So yep. we have we have five episodes, uh, all about assassinations, most of which have happened or tried to happen the, this year. Most most of these are going to be pretty pretty uh, topical. Yeah. Mine is not, uh, because and the first the person one I am. So, yeah. well, I mean, <laughs> look, we, we, got, really. we gotta, we, 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 we got, we got, we got to start with a historical assassination. We can't, we, mm-hmm. we, we can't completely have it be just randomly jumping back and forth between uh, times. There has to be some kind of logic. Yeah, yes. well, the assassination is the logic, but yeah, today uh, we're talking about uh, ETA, a uh, Basque nationalist leftist group. And more specifically, I guess, their uh, Operación Ogro, the killing of Luis Carrero Blanco in Spain in 1973. Uh, it's, like, obviously not very, very current. It's often pointed to as, like, a, a very influential assassination, right? One that made a difference and, and made a change. Uh, often it's called the only thing that ETA ever did to advance the cause of Spanish <laughs> democracy. Which uh, I think, like, this is not a, and I'm sorry if you think that they're like based leftist terrorists. Uh, this is not not a generally as as an organization we don't like people who murder journalists. That's one of our stances, and so there's going to be a little bit of uh, context around this that we need to give first. So maybe if we kick off with who they are, and then we can talk about that assassination in particular. How familiar are folks do we think with with ETA? What do people know about them? US. I, not at all. Yeah, people. Well, okay. I th- I think well, they're they're I think they're famous for this assassination and for having literally the worst outfits I have ever seen in my entire oh, life. That's like bold. that 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 the, the the combination of like the face mask and the beret is like one of the most unfortunate things I've ever seen. It is hideous. It is you you got just just wear the mask. It's cooler. Ah, it, oh, it's bad shit. It's awful. Oh, truly dog shit. Okay, Chris come in with the fashion police early on. <laughs> I say wear what you want. I think you all look great. Uh, and really alienating our ski mask and beret audience right at the start. Uh, so if you've, if you've managed to, you know, stick around through that hate speech, uh, we, we're going to talk about Etta. Uh, they do, yeah, they do like to wear a ski mask. It's part of an aesthetic, isn't it, though? Like, there's an aesthetic of, like, I guess, 80s, 1980s terrorism that is, like, uh, like... Woodland pattern kind of DPU camouflage, DPM camouflage, uh, a cheap black ski mask, balaclava, and a berry. Like sometimes you can pick two of those things, but there's definitely like a vibe from that time period. Hmm. I wonder. I wonder why none of these groups worked. It must have nothing to do with the fashion. <laughs> to be fair, the Zapatistas' big uh, ski mask. Maybe it's the bubble. Maybe the bubble is what sets them. Yeah, apart. no, it's it's the, it's the fact that yeah, you, you don't wear the beret on the ski mask. The Zapatistas look cool because <laughs> okay. they just wear the masks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think we're we're united in our belief that the Zapatistas look cool, uh, and in many ways are cool. In fact, but we're not talking about them today. We're talking about Eta. Uh, so it's an acronym, right? Um, it's an acronym in Euskera or Basque. I don't, I don't speak Basque. It's a very hard language for me to learn, at least. I'm not going to say it's a hard language to learn, because I think that depends on who you are. But it is one that I have historically struggled with understanding. Uh, it 
uh, it does have a, a generous smattering of X's. Um, so, you know, if you're seeing it out there, uh, good luck to you. I will try and pronounce things as respectfully as I can. I spent a lot of time in the Basque country bike racing. I really, really love Basque people. They're very nice. I enjoy their food and their cider and their countryside. Uh, but today we're talking about this group, Escareta. It stands for Euskadi Ta Ascatasuna, um, which means like Basque homeland and liberty. Uh, which They were going to call it Ata, uh, but in certain Basque dialects, that means duck. So they moved away from that. Uh, <laughs> that would have been so much funnier. <laughs> yeah, it would, right? You've been ducked. Uh, but they didn't do that. They, right from the get-go, they were about like, like, this dual process, right, of, of politics and political violence. Their slogan means keep up on both sides, and their logo is like a snake wrapped around an axe. Uh, the snake is politics, and the act is, axe is, I guess, political violence, terrorism, whatever you want to call it. Um, and over their years of action, they killed 829 people. So they're a pretty serious terrorist group, right? Like, I can't... I don't know how many people the IRA killed, but I'm thinking of groups in there. I don't think it would be that many. They killed like, I think they killed like over a thousand. Okay. Well, I mean, I say like the, the entire Troubles killed like 3,500. So it's like a not insignificant mm-hmm. fraction of that. Yeah. I mean, the British government did a decent amount of that. And oh, definitely. Lo- yeah. Lo- yeah lo- loyalists yeah. too. Like, and, yeah. But like, like it's not an insignificant fraction of the total number of people who died in the Troubles. So yes. they're, they're not like nothing. No, but like it's only Eta up there. And look, this is much of a similar thing as we're going to see, right, where it, the Spanish state killed a lot of people too and sort yeah. of armed groups acting in sort of coalition with the Spanish state. It's the safest way to say that, but certainly with the complicity of the Spanish state uh, played a large part in, in this, this dirty war that Eta conducted with the Spanish state, right? Um, to understand them, you have to understand a little bit about Basque nationalism Early Basque nationalism, we we can like find the guy who really constructs the idea of a Basque nation, right? Um, Sabino Aranya is the guy. Um, he he takes what is like a language. It's a very old language, right? It predates Latin, and places where that language is spoken, and takes it from like these are the areas where this language is spoken to like this is our nation, and and all nations are created, right? Like nations don't come from the primordial soup. Like we don't evolve into one nation or another. They're, they're not a fabrication, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They they're constructed by uh, like entrepreneurs of identity, bourgeois elites, to to uh, some kind of false consciousness, one might say, uh, to to maybe distract people from other things. But that's the, right, Zapatistas. Watch <laughs> it. <laughs> that's um, they, yeah, yeah. We we're coming for you with a woke mob. We're going to cancel you. Nations begin to exist when religion loses a claim on universal truth. Right. This is like Benedict Anderson's speed run. Uh, we don't need to go into the history of nationalism particularly. It's important for people to know where the Basque land is. Uh, so the Basque land is in the northwest of Spain and the southwest of France, right? It's these provinces where historically they're mountainous provinces. People there were often shepherds. Uh, you'll often find Basque people in the United States like growing wine or doing sheep uh, herding. And that's their sort of historical image of themselves. And they speak this Basque language, right? So Eta come onto the scene... Uh, as a Basque nationalist leftist group. Like, uh, they, they sort of have some elements of Marxism, but they're obviously, like, nationalist. Um, they uh, they center, they don't center Catholicism, which is what previous Basque nationalisms have done, right? Previous nas- Basque nationalisms have been elite constructs that centered language, poetry, and, and Catholic identity. Eta don't do that. Uh, they have so this... Th- 
that's where they're slightly better. Yeah, yeah, right. They're, they're better than like the Carlists who are like, things went wrong when Spain moved away from this line of royal secession and we need to go back to that and like extreme religious uh, totalitarianism and a monarchy. Like I, they're better than that. <laughs> I feel pretty comfortable saying that. Uh, and they've done some cool stuff. Like they used to kidnap bosses who refused to negotiate with striking workers. Uh, which like, I know, watch out rail, rail company owners. Uh, but they, they definitely have like a leftist lean, right? They have this sort of pan third worldist idea or this pan sort of colonized people idea. Uh, they begin assassinating people when they take revenge for this guy who's called uh, Chabi Estebayeta. Um, you can look up that name if you want to see some X's in a name. But they, <laughs> they kill the local chief of police, right? What happened is uh, Estebayeta and this other guy um, were killed by a policeman. Uh, the police stopped them at a roadblock. They run away. The police, the police shoot them in response. They kidnap the local chief of police who has probably been torturing people, right? Like the, you have to understand that all this is happening in the context of a Spanish state, which is extremely violent and repressive. And they kill this guy, right? Um, Wait, this is, this is under Franco, right? Yes. No, so they, they begin under Franco, right? So they, 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 and their support probably peaks under Franco, right? Like they, and what, what we're going to see is actually they are somewhat integral to not bringing down the Franco regime. And in a sense, Spain never does bring down the Franco regime, right? And I want to get into that a little bit. But in destabilizing the Franco regime, and they certainly, there was more support for this kind of political violence when the state is so obviously like undemocratic, unjust, and incredibly violent towards people, right? Uh, so they, when they're killing members of the Guardia Civil, these are people who are torturing prisoners, right? Eta prisoners pretty often, when they're captured, turn up tortured in court, like very obviously that uh, they have been victims of beatings and physical violence, right? And a lot of things you'll see, <laughs> they also kidnap this guy. I forget his name. He's one of the founders of Vox, and they kept him in a cellar for months and months and months and months. <laughs> they... Uh, uh, look, I don't, I don't like Vox, but I also don't like locking people in cellars. So uh, two things can be bad. Um, Vox is a right-wing populist Spanish party, if people aren't familiar. Uh, they also did a lot of extortion. They also did a lot of extorting local businesses, right? They called it the revolutionary tax. Uh, so they got into some sort of more classic kind of organized crime stuff there. Um, but the assassination we want to talk about today is Operación Ogro. Um, so the way they do this is they rent this uh, flat, right? They, they, that's an apartment for American listeners. Uh, and they they rent this flat and claim to be student, like sculpting students, right? Like they, we're art students, we're into sculpture. That's that's why we're covered in dust every day and we, and we wear these overalls. And for five months, they spend every day digging a tunnel underneath the road by their flat, right? And uh, in that tunnel, they pack 80 kilograms of explosive. Um, and what they're doing there is they're waiting for this guy, Luis Carrero Blanco, to come in his car, which he travels in every day, right? And they're going to explode that explosive and uh, they're going to kill him. The reason they want to kill him is because they say that he is the, the best example of pure fascism, right? He's a former admiral. He's Spain's sort of prime minister, He's Franco's chosen successor, right? So he's going to take over from Franco. And so by killing him, 
they're able to destabilize the whole Franco regime. Franco cries in public when he finds out Caro Blanco is dead. Um, so spoiler alert, Caro Blanco is extremely dead. Uh, the way they did this is they they dressed up as electricians, which is all, there's a lot of dressing up in, in this, which is kind of fun. And they, they, they painted a little line on a wall to be like, okay, when the car gets to here, we explode it. So the car gets to there, they explode it. They launch this car over a church and it lands on the second floor terrace on the other side. Uh, <laughs> sometimes uh, this is called like the Basque Space Program or Luis Carrero Blanco is referred to as Spain's first astronaut. <laughs> that's uh, that's really you, funny. Yeah. You can find a picture of it. It is hysterical. The car, like, it's just, it just goes. It is so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun. periodically in Spain, like uh, someone will be prosecuted for making this joke, this Spain's first a- astronaut joke. Uh, I saw it happen to someone pretty recently, like, and she had really made it a thing of making jokes. Uh, actually, I think his, I think it's his grandchildren have noted that it, it it's a problematic restriction of free speech that the people keep getting prosecuted for this. And, and a court recently found that they weren't mocking his family or his memory, but they were just pointing the objectively funny way in which he died. <laughs> uh, which, you know, great for the court to, to agree that it was objectively funny, that a terrible fucking person died by being blown literally sky high. Uh, and it's, uh, his driver and his bodyguard were also killed. Uh, shouldn't be a bodyguard for a piece of shit. Uh, but they, the uh, the ETA guys had disguised themselves as electricians. <laughs> After the bomb went off, they ran around shouting, "Oh no, we've hit a gas pipe! Like there's been a gas explosion! Everybody, clear out!" Uh, <laughs> yeah, there sure was. <laughs> yeah, uh, so pretty pretty entertaining stuff. Uh, acting is their side passion, I guess. Um, and like the reason they did it, they did a presser not long afterwards, uh, wearing their outfits, which some of you may find offensive. And they uh, <laughs> they cited like his irreplaceable place in the hierarchy, right? And him being this, they called him a pure Francoist. And, and oddly, like Etta were not at, at this point, they were less unpopular than they became later because they weren't doing quite as much ex- extortion and they hadn't been uh, engaging in quite as many murders of journalists, right? And and you used to see this, uh, I'll get to that later, actually. Uh, they, they got grudging praise from almost everyone for doing this, right? And Because it really does destabilize and kind of kick their legs out from under the Franco regime. And, and it makes Franco cry, which I think is a laudable goal. Like, it, it's good to make Franco cry. Uh, Franco, cry more. So they... Well, it, it kind of, it kind of, um, it kind of atomizes the Franco estate, right? Between people who are like of this bunker tendency, who want to go hardcore and crack down, and those who are like, we don't have the ability to to crack down, like we'll lose all popular support if we do that. And uh, it it really sort of vaporizes the, the, the consensus for what to do after Franco dies, which he does a few years later. I want to point out that people will you'll read these articles on like. Uh, popular news websites or like you know like hot take websites where they're like oh this car bomb uh launched spain into democracy i don't do that um i i think first of all the 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 major error with that is the idea that spain quote unquote transitioned to democracy uh when you have a, a pacted transition where the people who did the war crimes in the previous regime are specifically not prosecuted and exempt from prosecution that's not what democracy looks like. I think the most accurate way of describing where Spain is is uh, a post-dictadura, like a post-dictatorship. 
and Spain is still there now. Like we see that with these prosecutions for, for mocking him, right? With uh, the fact that there are people in Spain who are still in prison for mocking the crown. Yeah, like that's not what democracies do. Good thing that could never happen in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, you, you won't find me, <laughs> you won't find me defending that either. Uh, but but we don't we don't make a big industry of talking about Britain's transition to democracy. Uh, or maybe don't talk about transitions at all, given the powerful turf discourse in Britain. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's problematic that that folks talk about this like, yeah, Spain is fixed. Like Spain has some dark shit that it needs to process. Like it was not until the middle of the last decade that we started exhuming the graves from the civil war and that's still highly contentious right you still have a political party that um that doesn't want to do that spain is still processing the fact that the catholic church took babies away from people who it considered to be leftists and gave them to people who it considered to be more appropriate to raise them it's called ninos robados if you want to look it up but uh, yeah spain not transitioning to to democracy and i want to make like that very clear some of the other shit that Etta does um, is really, this is where they start to lose <laughs> any any claim to being like a liberation movement, right? Like uh, they bombed a, an hypercourt. That's like bombing a, a target in a, for American folks uh, in Barcelona. And they killed 21 people. Now, I will say uh, this, is an, this is exemplary bad policing. They called the cops and were like, hey, we've put a bomb underneath the supermarket. You ought to clear it out. And the cops were like, oh, I can't tell if that's a real threat or not. And uh, as a result, didn't do anything. And as a result, the the bomb went off underneath the supermarket and 21 people died. Right? Uh, they also alerted a newspaper in Catalonia beforehand. Uh, Reporters Without Borders still, for a long time, classified Spain as a place that was hostile to journalists because of the attacks on journalists by ETA, right? Also, the, the state isn't is hostile to journalism, but uh, I want to point out that they killed journalists, they killed university professors who disagreed with them, they killed local councillors, and it was some of these, like, these very unpopular murders which really sort of stripped support from them. And one thing that the Spanish state did, or a couple of things the Spanish state did that really were extremely repressive against ETA um, was they would move... Basque prisoners out of the Basque homeland and sort of hold them thousands of miles away from their families, like in the Canary Islands and shit. Uh, like they're probably closer to Africa than you are to, to your, your home country when they do that, right? Um, and you would often see, I don't know if, if maybe you, you guys have seen this, it's a white flag. It's got an outline of the Basque land. It's got an arrow and it says, Uskal Presoak, Uskal Eria. Have you seen that at like protests? Now, if, if you'd... If you'd been at the protests I was at, but like you know, in like the early two thousands in Europe, you would see that flag a lot. It just means Basque prisoners to the Basque homeland. Like a, a lot of people got behind that who might not have got behind other things that Etta did, right? But it does seem deeply inhumane to move these people so far away from their families. It's sort of a, an extra punishment. The Spanish state also had this thing called GAL. Uh, GAL is Grupo Antiterroristas de Liberación. So uh, I guess like anti-terrorist liberation group. Uh, and these were death squads, right? Uh, these were death squads aided and abetted by the police. ETA enjoyed like a safe space in France, I guess, or like a freedom for prosecution. Certainly under Franco, France was like, eh, you know what? Franco really sucks. So you guys go ahead and, and send it. Uh, do your terrorism, wear your balaclavas, 
I'm sure the French also objected to their beret style, but this is a safe space for your terrorism. <laughs> yeah, well, this, 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 there this it is. Like a whole... That's basically what they said. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. Th- this is like a whole thing with Mitterrand in France in the 70s. Like France kind of became this weird, like, like they, they basically <laughs> yes, had this. Yeah. Op- yeah, they had this open policy. Where, like, like there was a bunch of. Uh, well, there, there are a bunch of people in Italy who got, like, falsely accused of, like, being the Red Brigades. Uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, the guy, uh, Negri, Antonio Negri, yep. who's, like, a kind of famous theorist. His theory kind of sucks by the end. But, like, they, they arrest him for, like, being a terrorist. And then he, he gets himself elected to parliament so he can get parliamentary immunity and then flees the country to uh, France. <laughs> yeah. yeah, France the really 70s had... was a weird time. <laughs> Wasn't Carlos the <laughs> Jackal also in, in Paris so. for a while? Yeah. Yeah. You love it, France. Open door policy to terrorists. What like, a this, is, this is this is the only cool thing France has done since 1968. Like, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, they invented parkour. When was that? Oh, that was like in the resident X. Okay, there okay, you go. Okay, it's so the second cool thing. Go, got to hand that to them. Yeah, let's yeah. hand that to the entire country of France. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not actually, given their. Uh, Treatment treatment of migrant diasporas in recent years. Uh, And sometimes their firefighters will go out and beat the shit into the police. That is true. That is very funny. I do think we all have to give that to them. Uh, I wanted to maybe end with this quote uh, from uh, Subcomandante Marcos. So we've talked a little bit about (laughs) the Zapatistas. So this is from a piece called I Shit Upon... Is it I Shit Upon the Revolutionary Vanguards of the Earth? Yeah, it's something. I mean, it, yeah, the the, the it, all the titles are like having problems translating Total Mundo, which is like, yeah. Have you? I couldn't find it written in the original Spanish. Uh, maybe that's just because I was googling wrong, uh, and I didn't put a lot of time in it. But I found so many of Zapatista texts are preserved better in these weird English translations, and I don't know if they're written in English. It's supposed to be possible they're written in English the first time. I don't. I don't think this one. I, th- I think. I think these. I think this particular one's a translation. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I. I tried to find it in Spanish actually, but um, so I'm just going to go with the translation. Uh, I think it's probably from Libcom or, or a similar w- website with like aging red and black uh, aesthetic vibes. <laughs> uh, but I love those websites. So it's a little bit long. I hope you'll enjoy it. <laughs> We don't see why we should have like the Eta were kind of like reaching out in solidarity, uh, and the the Zapatistas had previously been like, "Nah, dude, like, we are not the same. You, you are not uh, just like a ascetic society. We are not the same people." Um, we don't see why we would ask you what we should do or how we should do it. What are you going to teach us? To kill journalists who speak badly about the struggle? To d- justify the death of children for the reason of the cause? We don't need or want your support or solidarity. We already have the support and solidarity of many people in Mexico and the world. Our struggle has a code of honor inherited from our guerrilla ancestors, and it contains, among other things, respect of civilian lives, even though they may occupy government positions that oppress us. We don't use crime to get resources for ourselves. We don't rob, not even a snack store. We don't respond to words with fire, even though many hurt us or lie to us. One could think that to renounce these traditionally revolutionary methods is renouncing the advancements of our struggle. But in the faint light of our history, it seems that we have advanced more than those who resort to such arguments. <laughs> like, I deeply enjoy this critique. You can look it up. Uh, Eto was big on killing people who were tangentially related to the regime in any way, which I don't agree with. Uh, we should also add that they more or less definitively stopped doing stuff in 2018. Um, they, they 
they had a press conference. And in their press conference, actually, uh, Arnaldo Otegi, who was a former member, uh, said that they wanted to express their sorrow for the pain and suffering other people have endured. Uh, he goes on like, we feel their pain and that sincere f- feeling leads us to affirm that it should never have happened. Like, sure, buddy, you want to say sorry because you, you did terrorism. Uh, but I, I do think that like we should, we're talking about assassinations, going to be talking about assassinations all week. Uh, there are ways to do leftist political struggle that are not killing random civilians and their friends and family members and bombing supermarkets. And those are the better ways. But making Franco cry is good. Sending yeah. Franco's successor into near-Earth orbit is pretty funny. Uh, so we, we enjoy that one, at least, if not yeah, all and, and everything. I, I, th- I think it is worth pointing out, like, we've made this pretty obvious by, by that line, but uh, Eta does not get a free, spa- a, a free Basque homeland. Uh, the Zapatistas have yeah. actually taken and still control territory, a thing that none of these, like, weirder yeah. guerrilla groups ever pulled off. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> They don't even get majority support, really, at any point. Yeah. Uh, like, occasionally there'll be people who are like, yeah, you know what? Like, I, I agree with some of what they say, but their tactics are deeply flawed. You know, these keeping people, like, torturing people, that kind of thing. Uh, and the context of the dirty war with the state is important. Um, but yeah, they, they don't succeed, right? And I don't think you do succeed by, by extorting the people you're claiming to liberate. That generally doesn't work well. Uh, so, up the Zapatistas, I guess. Yeah, that seems that seems like a good place to end. Yep, cool. Yeah, okay. so th- this is this has been Naked Happened here. Join us tomorrow for more assassinations, and also the day after that, the day after that, and the day after that. <laughs> yep, can't wait. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, You can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hello, I'm the ghost of the Queen, and this is Assassination Week. And as I actually was assassinated, it was the IRA. Hi, welcome, welcome to Assassination Week, where we talk about all of the normal things. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Talk about all the stuff that's totally normal and chill. We were just we were just debating uh, why. We keep having to talk about Nazi furries, differences between cat boys and cat girls as they relate to Nazism. Um, and we're not going to get less stupid for today's assassination. Um, so let's let's talk about Argentina. Uh, one of one of the ones that happened pretty shortly after we we planned on doing assassination week. We're like, oh, well, there's another one to add to the list. So yeah, um, Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner uh, has been kind of one of the most prominent politicians in Argentina for almost two decades now. Um, she was elected af- uh, she was elected president after her husband served as a term and then declined to to run for a second. But she was elected in two thousand seven. After an eight year run as president, she is now the country's uh, vice president. She was expected to make a bid to return to the top job. Uh, next year, but that's kind of up in the air. Um, she's kind of leftish. She, she, yeah, she's, she, she's kind of the populist, like leftist kind yeah, of. Yeah, favorite. Can we talk a bit about Peronism and like the weird oh, shit that's going on here. Please talk about uh, Peronism. Maybe okay. sing. Maybe do it in the uh, in the music of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh God, no. Okay, so there once was a man <laughs> named Peron, <laughs> and he. So he had been. Like, uh, he, he th- th- there's a whole thing. He gets, like, cooed. He's, like, he, like, flees the country. And w- while he's not in, the, you know, there's a dictatorship. And, like, wh- while he's not in Argentina, there's, like, this whole, like, one of, like, a sort of very classical populist movement to the point where, like, a lot of the theorizing about what populism is is theorizing yeah. about Peronism. And wh- what you get is, like, two completely different, like, political factions like casting all of their sort of aspirations onto the like 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 onto the figure of like Perone who's like in exile and so you can you can like you know you can you can say that like Perone has whatever so Perone supports us like Perone will be the guy who'll save us and like so you get like you get this really weird thing where there are like there are like there are Peronists who are like fascists there are Peronists who are like communists so you 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 get the split that happens you have these left Peronists you have these right Peronists and like like when Perone comes back to the country, like the right Peronists start murdering the left wing Peronists. It's, it's this whole fucking thing, and it, it's this, this you know, and it, uh, this 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 sort of like 
political formation like persists through another military dictatorship. It persists like through sort of like the trend, quote unquote transition to democracy. And like basically everyone who has ran Argentina since like the quote unquote transition to democracy has been a Peronist of some kind. Um, Kushner is Kushner is from the left wing, sort of the the, the new the, the sort of like revitalized left like Peronism that that comes around like the early two thousands. I mean, she, she's around she's around actually in the nineties too, but in 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 the early two thousands, it sort of like well, okay. So in two thousand one, there's this massive series of protests and uprisings in in Argentina that like I I would argue is like the last of like the great twentieth century sort of like working class revolutions. Like people start occupying, like people start occupying their factories. Like they go through like five prime ministers in like a month. Like they 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 come very 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 close to bringing down the government. And the thing the the thing that sort of stabilizes the situation is a the, 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 and the, this this is a series of protests against like IMF austerity, right? Which have been just like destroying the country. And the way this sort of gets stabilized is that um. You 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 get a new you know you 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 get you get a new sort of like revitalized like left Peronist populist thing and the, and the, the sort of populist deal is is twofold. It's like one okay we're going to have a bunch of patronage networks and we're going to run like everything from like sort of like job networks kind of like down like right right down to like hey we will like give aid to your neighborhood as long as you stay as long as you sort of support us and the second thing is like they they, they make the like the ruling class like cuts this sort of this is this is particularly like. Ferdinand de Krishna, like uh, her husband, like cuts this deal. Basically, sorry, N- Nestor Krishna, uh cuts this deal with with the working class, which is like, okay, if you guys don't, if you guys stop trying to overthrow us, like we will give you a bunch of welfare programs, we will like do a yeah. bunch of stuff to like promote the sort of like national economy, and so it's it's this it's this whole it's it's it's, it's like a left populism, but it, it's it's bi- it's built on sort of like. Like this very explicit, like we are going to buy off the working class so we can maintain capitalism, but the capitalism is going to be slightly nicer. Yeah, and there's a few reactions to that, including the reaction from the right, which is very much like these welfare, these all of these welfare programs are making our people lazy and unwilling to do actual work, which is kind of where some of our uh, assassin or attempted assassin gets some of his ideology from. Um, but yeah, so a, a week before this assassination attempt, um, Argentinian uh, prosecutors announced that they're seeking a 12-year prison sentence for Mrs. Uh, Kirchner over accusations that she directed public roadway funds to a company owned by a friend of hers. Uh, accusations which she denies. I don't... I have no bid in this fight. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, 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 the right. thing I would note is, like, like almost everyone... So she, she uh, like... Well, particularly Nestor Christian, but she was also sort of like considered like the soft wing of the pink tide, sort of like social democratic we, governments to come to power in this period. And like all of these people are kind of corrupt, but they're not like more corrupt than any other like politician in this region. But like ev- like every single one of these people eventually like there's a whole movement to like put them in prison because of corruption or something. And it's like, I mean, I don't know, like every like it, it, they're politicians. Like, yeah, what, I mean, what the- do you expect? Like. The political rhetoric against uh, Mrs. Kirchner had intensified in recent weeks amid the final stages of her corruption trial. And while she is probably the country's most prominent politician, even serving as vice president seen as more powerful than then the president, she's also a very polarizing figure. You know, her face is plastered on posters all around like working class neighborhoods. Um, 
but Argentina's right has kind of made her out to be their boogeyman. She's kind of their she's kind of like their top target. Um, last week, in one opposition lawmaker commenting on her case, said that Argentina should bring back the, the death penalty um, just for her case, <laughs> just because she's like a woman we don't like, so we should kill her. Uh, it sounds um, like our friends at the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse Cultural Center. Oh yes. yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Would you call her a femi bolshi? <laughs> Uh, oh Jesus! <laughs> because they certainly would. <laughs> oh God! So yeah, but yeah. since the proposition of the twelve-year sentence, uh, hundreds of her supporters have been rallying or were rallying outside of her house every night. Um, you know, calling her a victim of political persecution and doing these big, big rallies in support. And it was at such a rally on Thursday, September first, just after nine p.m. When Mrs. Kirchner was returning home from presiding over a session at the Senate, accompanied by her security detail, she was greeting the mass of supporters, lighting the streets, and signing copies of her book. And then a man rushed up through the crowd, aimed a semi-automatic pistol inches away from her face, and pulled the trigger. But the gun didn't go off. There's lots of footage of this incident. There was a lot of cameras rolling. It's kind of wild. <laughs> Because he sticks the gun like right up in her face. <laughs> it's just like it really, it really like this. This is this is this is like something out of like fucking like like late eighteen hundreds Russia. It's extreme. It's, like, it's very slapstick. It's yeah. very comical. It's um, yeah, the Franz Ferdinand level of. <laughs> well, yeah. speak, speaking of uh, President Fer- President um, uh, Fernandez said in an address to the nation uh, later that quote Christina is still alive because for reasons that have not been confirmed technically the weapon which was loaded with five bullets did not fire. Um, it, I can confirm technically that it is a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> you can find it was it was a thirty it was a thirty two caliber three eighty uh, wasn't it? It's a burst of thunder, isn't it? Oh, may- maybe I'm wrong. What was it? Yeah, was it, was isn't it like a specific gun that's like absolutely like the it's worst a, gun? Yeah. So these, these are they're kind of funny. They're these like they're bursa. So that I think they're made in Argentina. They might be made in Brazil. I think they're made in Argentina. Uh, they, they they make knockoffs of other gun designs more or less. So it's in the style of a PPK, which has good precedent for killing uh, bad people. Right, that's what Hitler brained himself with, uh, but. Uh, this this is a knockoff. This is a cheap one. Uh, it's one of the guns that's approved for safe sale in California uh, because you can pull the trigger and it doesn't get bang. Uh, at least a version of this. I don't think the one that they, that this person used would actually a thunder. But yeah, it's just a, it's like a I don't know. It, it, it's it's the um, it's like when you go and buy a cheap knockoff of anything. You know, like sometimes it doesn't work. This one appears to be missing one of the grip screws actually. But yeah, it's very rusty. Uh, this person didn't think this through very well, I guess, is what I'm we'll, saying. We'll talk, we'll talk a bit more about what was going on with the gun in a sec. Uh, you know what? Uh, won't fail to murder the vice president of a country. These, these products and services, these products and services support yep. the podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, that's Bleach, what it, for supporting the podcast that's, today. It's what everyone says about butter help. It will not, it will, <laughs> will not help yep. you kill the vice president. Okay. Here's a plug for ammonium nitrate. Federal police arrested Fernando Andres Sabeg Montiel, a 35-year-old Brazilian man who has been living in Argentina for about 20 years. They recovered the gun at the scene, and then uh, the next day, they uh, searched his apartment. He had a, he had a, he had a studio apartment in like a working-class suburb of 
oh boy, what's the, oh boy, um, Banaros, oh boy, I'm gonna send this one to the you, chat. You, let you someone wanna, else you handle drop this, this one. In the chat. Let me yeah. Get yeah. <laughs> let's, let's let the people. Who, I'm too. I'm, I'm too Canadian. Spanish and sort of speaks Spanish. Yeah, it's a boot. There we go. I, I send it to the regular cool zone. Chat. Oh, okay. oh yeah, Buenos Aires. No, that wasn't was the one. A uh, garrison. I I can't I can't read that. I have no idea. Garrison. Then it's the capital of Argentina. <laughs> I don't know. I can't read it. No. Oh. I only I never say words. I only read them. Yeah, this is really the thing. Uh, yeah, Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires. Buenos. Buenos. Buenos Aires. <laughs> I'm learning how to read ancient Greek for magic, and that's way easier than this. <laughs> I would quibble that. Are you going to be like a Hebrew understander on Twitter? Are you going to be like, it means legal immigrants when he says that, guys. <laughs> no, only oh, oh, only for only for ancient Greek. Okay. O- only only for Greeks to use to use in spells. I, I forget um, that people who aren't Americans don't pick up the sort of like smattering of terrible Spanish. That like everyone in the U.S. can kind of do. Yeah, no, I I I, I, I grew up as a kid in Saskatchewan. No one's gonna speak Spanish <laughs> there. Uh, yeah, just food nouns. You can you can just do like a pollo and. Uh, but like. anyway, so they they searched his studio apartment in apparently this big town, Buen, Bu- Buenos Aires. <laughs> Bra- yeah. I don't. Uh, this is Argentina erasure. So we're people gonna, are going to be legitimately we're very angry. Up the end, but it's fine. But anyway, they searched yeah. his apartment. Uh, they found just a hundred bullets. <laughs> just around. Just like in um, various places or like... <laughs> they said they just found a hundred bullets like like uh, around his studio apartment. So... Yeah. Wow. That's 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 the statement. It's amazing. If people haven't watched the video, I'd highly recommend looking it up. So Mr. Montel is registered with tax authorities as an Uber driver. Um, and he's not pretty soon people figure out that he's not just a regular dude. Um, there was there, there's there was a few signs, most most notably the Sonnenrad tattoo on his elbow. <laughs> That'll do it. So which, yeah. So, that's, so uh, he is, that's the Azov Battalion logo, right? What is the... Uh, G- James, is sh- shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck up, James. Oh, God. <laughs> He's come so, to... <laughs> so yes, a wave of people who think they're smart but are actually not <laughs> oh uh, saw the Sonnenrad oh. and thought that he was doing this in solidarity with the Azov Battalion. Um, Isn't he with, like in a Duke in his group? <laughs> I I'll I'll get to it. Not quite. Um, but no, it's not Azov Battalion because the sun in red does not come from the Azov Battalion. Um, as most people listening to this show should probably know already. His social media accounts got taken down pretty quick, but we do have a few archives which I'll be working off of to kind of paint the rest of this weird guy's picture. Um, he is steeped in a whole bunch of eclectic and esoteric things. He has various esoteric symbols tattooed across his body. He follows a lot of ex- extremely interesting Facebook pages. <laughs> um, he is he is uh, you know is interested in stuff from far right groups, conspiracy theories, mysticism, Freemasonry, uh, quote unquote alchemy, and uh, the Kabbalah, or again quote unquote the Kabbalah. Um, uh, across m- many many kind of political esoteric fascist interests it's kind of it's not very surprising 
By the way, I just found out the uh, there's a whole page by that Calibre Oscura guy, and you were right, and I was wrong. It's a 32 ACP pistol. Thank you, thank you, thank yeah. you. It was yeah. a 32 ACP, huh? Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe uh, if you spent less time making fun of my Spanish, we could learn something. It's <laughs> <laughs> plenty. <that's, that's> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think, and in terms of levels of understanding, yeah. For a while, he used the symbol of the Tyrodal Order of the Knights, which was a, a fringe kind of far right Argentine uh, uh, fascist mystical group from the 1980s. Uh, but he had that as his Facebook profile for a while. So he's like into the worst type of nerd things. Like instead of just playing D and D and getting it out of your system, he's like, I'm going to become a fascist and a wizard. Um, you know, if he'd had a cultural center where he could play D and D with uh, other people, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Talk, just saying. talk, talk about Dragon Ball. Play D and D. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, paint. Do some really, really bad figure do, painting. Do, do, yeah, do art, and we wouldn't have had a problem here. But instead, here we are. So, but I mean, like looking at his Facebook page, right? You, you see stuff about like paganism, Vikings, death metal not very good philosophers. These types of things don't immediately indicate a connection to the far right. Like, you can't just take them by themselves. But when taken all together with the much more overt political things, you can get a fuller picture of who this person actually is. Um, you know, it's like when I when I'm, when I'm walking down the street and I see someone inside, like, a half-skull mask, that doesn't immediately mean they're a Nazi. But if I see the half-skull mask and then some questionable tattoos, I'm like, okay, then that, that that then you're able to put that together. Um, so same thing with here, right? When someone's really into, like, pagan Viking shit, it may make me side-eye. But until I see some things that really confirm my suspicions, I'm not going to, you know, you know, talk about this person as if they are a Nazi. Uh, this guy is a Nazi. <laughs> he is a big old Nazi. A few extremism researchers in Argentina have kind of made statements about this guy and what their their take on it is as someone, you know, who actually is in Argentina, right? I'm an extremism researcher who lives in Oregon, which is I so I don't really have the same cultural understanding. Um, but you have a good grasp on the language, which is helpful. <laughs> I have a good grasp on the language when they're using magic words. When they're using words from real languages, not really. Um but no, they they they've they've talked about him like saying uh, they're not this dude is quote not explicitly connected to an organization, but they relate to the fascist ideology and compared him to kind of being the the types of quote unquote like lone wolf attackers that are not connected to any like specific political movement, but almost just like an emanation of political ideas online like in uh, uh, Christchurch, uh, Buffalo, and El Paso. Th th those were the places that that he was kind of compared to as like people who aren't like inside a group but are willing to go out and take politics into the real world. But yeah, they uh, compared his profile to like, other other types of like, you know, like uh, quote-unquote lone wolf, which is not a good term, but like what that means is like as someone who's like isolated uh, doing a mass shooting or a terrorist attack or an attempt at a political assassination. Montel was described as his friends uh, as, like, eccentric and insecure and dishonest, um, but not necessarily openly violent or kind of openly invested in, like, political parties, uh, which isn't surprising when you get someone into this, like, nerdy type of politics that's like, yeah, they're doing politics as it relates to being, like, a weird nerd online. But, you know, who knows? His, his friends may just not, not seen this side of him at all. Like, who, who, can, who can say? 
because he did have a lot of fascist tattoos. So like, yeah. like, come on, guys. Um, on the he had like like we said, sun and red on his left elbow. On the back of his hands, he had a um, uh, he had the iron cross and he had uh, Thor's hammer. Oh, wow. uh, but like like the like the traditional one, not like Marvel movie shit. In a funny maybe coincidence, this guy, the assassin, was actually interviewed twice on television in like months before the attack, <laughs> just as an average citizen on the street giving his opinion on <laughs> politics. Um, one of them, he they were he was uh, interviewed uh, with his girlfriend, and they were complaining about Argentina's social welfare programs, saying that they make people lazy. Um, and then in another more not recent even that one, good. in another more recent interview, he was asked if he supported Argentina's new finance minister, which he responded, "Hell no." And then he offered his opinion as well, saying that he doesn't support Christina either. Uh, Christina is later the person he tries to kill. Uh, which you know, so- I, I will say this: th- th- this is this is not out of line for like whenever a journalist tries to pick a random person on the street. <laughs> Like it, it's like it, they're 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 always interviewing Hitler Mussolini. Like it's it's just every single time. Like th- this guy is a representative sample of those people. But it, yeah, so he he gives up his unsolicited opinion on Christina, who he then tries to murder on TV just a month before he tries to kill her. Um, so now back at the scene, uh, authorities said that so th- the gun they had five bullets inside. Um, mm. The ser- the serial number was partially partially removed. Um, it was, it was an older, it was an older gun. It was not, was, was not brand new. Um, they said that the gun model had not, had not been manufactured in 40 years. Um, but it's, uh, it's the. It looks like it was made until 1978. So like, yeah, it's pretty old. Yeah. The the gun could have failed to fire because it was broken or because it was just improperly loaded. Um, because. Have you come across the Argentine media articles which are explaining how to properly cock the hammer on one of these? <laughs> that is some real, real, real interesting take stuff being like next time. Uh, so good stuff as always from, from our friends in the media. And uh, reportedly uh, it, it, the gun tried to, tried to get fired uh, twice. So pulled, pulled the trigger at least two times. And when they recovered it, there was no round chambered. So he may have just not <laughs> Like oh my <laughs> god, this like, is really oh, like like, like he could have just he could have just not cocked it at all, and that could be why it didn't fire. Like it's yeah, this, it's, yeah. it's unclear. This, this whole thing is really like the like it's it's the virgin virgin Kirshner assassin versus the Chad Abe assassin. The the Chad Abe assassin yeah, yeah. went to the time of building his own weapon. He fired it twice. Both shots went off. The fucking virgin. Yeah. This guy zero fires it twice. Doesn't doesn't build his own weapon. Zero bullets come out. Oh. Do we know if it's legal for this person to own the gun in Argentina, or heard they like acquired it legally and not been able to test it illegally and not been able to test it because that would have also sort of got some attention to them? I believe it's illegal. Okay. Yeah. Well, either way, yeah, should have just uh, done the old uh, the old Abe method with the pipe gun and the battery, I guess. <laughs> well, do you know what isn't illegal, and that's assembling your own no no no, it's uh (laughs) Uh, that's very legal where i live uh these products and services which support this podcast Mm -hmm. very not illegal all right we are we we are back um i'm gonna share with you guys the document i'm looking at uh so you can (laughs) so you can uh have have fun looking at all of these uh these symbols with me um scroll to where the first picture is 
Um, and then we'll then we're we're gonna go over oh, all wow. of the all of the weird shit that we have. This is so we're looking at his Facebook likes here. Yes, these are the okay. Facebook pages that he follows. He's gonna zoom in on this bad <laughs> Dear boy. Dear God! Yeah. So uh, yeah, this is a, a bit of a red flag. There's some yikes here. So yeah, um, 35 years old. Uh, he has a Chilean father and an Argentine mother. He's lived in Argentina for at least 20 years. His profiles on Facebook and Instagram were taken down pretty soon. On his Instagram, he described himself as a devout Christian. <laughs> sure, buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the nice he, Templar pop up on here. So yes, yes. Um, uh, he didn't comment on Brazilian politics very much. It was mostly interested in Argentina, um, but and a lot of the esoteric Nazi stuff. Um, a lot of the weird, like, th- there's actually a, an interesting history of esoteric Nazi stuff, specifically inside Argentina as well. Obviously, a lot of Nazis fled to Argentina. They've kind of, it's kind of been a, a fostered ground for them. But yeah, there is, there's a lot of, lot of stuff here. Um, one of the pages he follows is named uh, Camarada Miguel SS, which is just a, just a picture of, like, Nazi soldiers uh, in armbands. Um, I don't know. You're underselling this. Uh that looks like Hitler nutting to me. There's, there's, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. Biblioteca Esoterica. But yeah, there's, there's stuff on like Gnosticism. There's stuff on Freemasonry. Um, all of the... It's kind of like a... It's a little bit of a basic bitch here. This is like, it's not... It's, it's <laughs> for, for this type of guy, it's not surprising. Obviously, he's not like a normal dude. But for someone who's into esoteric fascist stuff, you're like, okay, yeah, you hit all the things. Like, you're, I'm not surprised looking at your page. Um, so, yeah, like we said, he's tattooed with a black sun, iron cross, and a, and a mjolnir. Um, now, obviously, the iron cross and the mjolnir are not symbols created by Nazis. Uh, you know, they were previously existing symbols. Uh, Iron Cross existed in the Prussian army. The Mjolnir is an old Nordic symbol. But both of these were uh, uh, co-opted by the Nazis pretty pretty, uh, pretty strongly uh, and now have very strong associations. If you scroll down to the next page, um, I have uh, all of his tattoos here. Oh, yeah. For, so... You can see a bit of the sun and red on his on his elbow. You can see some of the uh, hammer on his, uh, I believe, is. his right hand has the hammer, and his mm-hmm. left hand has the has the iron cross. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, uh, what's this diamond thing on his inner wrist? I'm gonna get to that. Okay. So the black sun, sun and red. We've talked about this on the show a lot. Um, it exists before Azov. Um, a lot of libs, a, a lot of liberals now think it's an Azov battalion symbol. Uh, no, I mean this. The, you know, a uh, uh, lot of Nazi mass shooters have had uh, Son and Rad like patches and stuff for years and years and years. It's been very popular. It's also very popular among esoteric fascists. Yeah, also um, very popular among like. You see a lot of Wagner Group guys with this. Like you see, there's a lot of mm-hmm. Russian soldiers who have this shit on. Uh, yeah. So yes, but no, yeah. but it, and it, it, it makes sense as it, in, in its popularity as like an esoteric fascist symbol. This guy's into all of the esoteric fascist shit. Yeah. So he's of course he's gonna have a black sun. Um, uh, so the that now James mentioned another tattoo which kind of looks like a diamond, uh, which is the Yggdrasil Immersal. 
um, which is how how that's how I'm going to pronounce it because nobody cares. <laughs> um, it it means a, a great tall pillar. It's known as like the the tree bridge that would connect the earth to like the celestial like greater reality. The Erminsule plays an important role in like old Germanic paganism. Um, it was a, there probably was a physical sacrificial site adorned with like big pillars. Um, but I like, and like a lot of the old weird German shit, it got Nazified. Um, Heinrich Himmler founded the Society for Research and Teaching of Ancestral Heritage in 1935, uh, which was, it, it, this was an organization with the aim of retracing, quote, ancient Aryan artifacts that support the master race theory. Uh, okay. um, oh, boy. And, uh, he used one of these for the original symbol of this organization, which is all about, like, tracing back old Germanic, like, pagan shit to be like, here's evidence that we're the master race. And all of our... He's, he's, he's like, trying to manufacture anthropology, which supports all of the bad science that says we are Aryans and we are better. So he's, it's a, this, like, fake... In, you know, it's like the Indiana Jones stuff. Like, this is, this is, this is, this is what he's trying to do. Um, but that uh, one of the symbols he used for that was the... Uh, Eminsul or the uh, Yagdrasil. Uh, possibly this symbol was also linked to Odin. It's unclear uh, because the actual god of uh, that represents Eminsul uh, is hard to trace. Um, but yeah, probably a sacred object in the form of a pillar uh, that rep represents kind of the the trunk of the Nordic spiritual cosmos that rises up into kind of the heavens. Nazi yes, it's shit. it's something it's something the Nazis pilfered from like Germanic paganism, turned it into Nazi shit, and became this idea around the spiritual center of like German nationalism. It's like it's this 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 spiritual thing that represents how pure we are as German nationalists. Anyway, uh, obviously the shooter is not German, which is kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder, I wonder why he has that, huh? I wonder what he's trying to say there. It just likes German people. It's interested in their culture. But yes, he has one of these on his. Uh, I believe it's his left hand. Um, on 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 his forearm. It's a it's a, it's a it's a pretty intricate symbol. Uh, yeah, that's like his best tattoo as well. Some of the others are pretty ropey. <laughs> yeah the the millionaire tattoo is not very good. Um, the uh, the the Iron Cross is pretty faded, but uh, but the the Great Pillar one's decent. Yeah. Um, in terms of like quality, again, we're just we're just reviewing yeah, the yeah, tattoos yeah. of an esoteric fascist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Best fascist tattoo, top five. Uh, um, look, Assassination Week is also Fashion Week. Yeah, it's true. Do, would you say better or worse than Etta with the berries and the ski mask at this point? Ooh. I like the ski masks. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I think I think it's slightly better. Oh, it's a bold take. So Believe it. this. The the thing that uh, uh, James was asking about previously, there's this really weird symbol that obviously looks kind of swastika-ish. Yeah. It's 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 very like it's 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 made up of like two different runes combined into one symbol. Um, this this is this is the kind of logo of an esoteric uh, neo-Nazi sect in Argentina founded by a very famous Argentinian neo-Nazi named Nimrod de Rosario. 
Um, which I do like that his name is Nimrod. <laughs> yeah, name, it's yeah, like oh god. <laughs> so yes, um, I highlighted this this thing. Do you want to try to try to pronounce that one? That one's uh yeah, um, Orden de Caballeros Turodal de Argentina. So like um, so that is the name of the sect. Uh, it's yeah. the, the 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 symbols a, a combination of the uh, Odal rune. And the Tyro rune, um, hence the name uh, Tyrodal or uh, Tyrodal. It's it, 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 it's a combination of these things yeah. into this new thing. Um, so this is like very p- popular for this type of like kind of kind of esoteric Nazi writer uh, inside in, inside Ar- Argentina. He had so the, the assassin or attempted assassin had a few of these things saved. Um, is he it was actually an organization like the Order of Knights, the Tyrodal Knights, or have we say that? Tyrodal. I mean, <laughs> not really. Is, is, like, it, is this a Facebook chivalric order? It's it's hard to say. I mean, like, no, they're not. They're not out there doing tons of shit. Um, okay. Are they larping? Yes, yes, they are. Yeah, I mean, good. all as soon as when any one of these groups calls themselves like an order of the knights, they're always larping. Like they're always they're always doing yeah. kind of a larp. Like whenever someone's into like the Templars and shit, you're like, okay. Yeah, who's just, that Texas politician like, recently who joined like the? Uh, he's like sworn to protect Christians in the Holy Land. It was very funny. Yeah, like come on. Yeah. Uh, all right, so he's a big. Yeah, he's got a lot of Christian stuff as well. Like I'm looking at the. Uh, and then what's with the, yeah? Um, I mean, th- that's that's kind of with all of like the Gnosticism stuff, which was draws on a lot of like Christian imagery or Catholic yeah. imagery. And he did describe himself as a Christian on his uh, Instagram account, which still it's like okay, bud, you're you're into some weirder shit than that. But yeah, yeah there is yeah. there there is there is some of a Christian basis for this style of, of like esotericism. I feel you. Yeah, okay. Whoa, what I've just found is uh, that actually, I'm sorry, I've just scrolled down. Didn't expect to see that. Did you expect to see what? Is it like a cam girl? Uh, Ole Cam official? Oh yes, yes. He was he was retweeting a cam girl on his Twitter. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. So I I have some other stuff here on the the Argentinian uh, Patriot Front, um, but <laughs> I <laughs> please <laughs> different Patriot Front than the American oh, one. God, but that was just talking. I just wanted to talk, talk a briefly a bit about like Ar- Argentinian like uh, uh, Nazism or fascism, um, much like Br- Brazilian uh, stuff with Bolsonaro and the kind of the 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 fascist groups that have been active in both countries for a while. Both of them have historical roots that go back to the twentieth twentieth century. They're neo-Nazi and neo-fascist groups that have been active in Argentina for decades. Uh, we've talked we talked a little bit about this in the Kyle Rittenhouse Cultural Center as well, um, as it relates to like anti-communist like stuff. Um, one of the kind of oldest um, groups of of uh, of Argentinian fascism uh, formed into a new group called uh, Patriot Front or. Uh, Frente Patriota. Patriota. How how do how do you say that? How do you say that? Patriota. Patriota. I was close. I was. Yeah, close. you were really there for like eighty percent of it. I really thought you had it. Um, but yeah. So this this new group, uh, 
Patriot Front was formed in 2017. Um, but it's based off of a very famous uh, far-right leader called Alejandro Biandino. Um, just how, again, that's how, how I'm going to do it. Uh, I should, I should, his name is, uh, his name is highlighted here. Um, Biandini? Is that it? Biandini. It be Italian. Like, there's, there's yeah, that doesn't, yeah. that's, yeah, it's not a Spanish sounding name. I mean, uh, but yeah, like, he's, he's, he's been active in Argentina's far right, uh, sphere for a long, long time. Like he's, he's kind of like the main guy who's trying to do stuff. He's six, six, 66 years old. Um, uh, he was born in Argentina. Um, yeah, I was. Argentina has a massive um, uh, Italian population. This has been like this has been true for sort of a long time. Like, yeah, and th- this sort of this cuts both ways politically. Like, a lot of those guys used to be anarchists. Like, there was a huge anarchist movement in Argentina for a long time. <laughs> uh, also, a lot of weird fascists. So it is it is, yeah. it, it is it is it is interesting that like this neo-Nazi assassin again wasn't part of any of these groups wasn't really aligned with this Patriot Front group wasn't really aligned with any other kind of actual like far right political activism um he was just into weird he was into like dressing up as a as a wizard and talking about weird gnosticism and fascism online and then he tried to kill the vice president um did he like so, live near her? Was this like an impulse thing, or is this like a long planned? I think um, he did live nearby. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I I I believe it's. I mean, she was in the capital city, so yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a that's a, a big place. You can walk. Admittedly. You can you can you can get around if you're dedicated. There's three million people. <laughs> yeah, around the city of which city is it again? I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember either. I you know. I I, I who's to say? Who's to say? <laughs> So yes, this is this is the story of the uh, not assassination that was attempted a few weeks ago in Argentina, and the guy behind it who should have just learned to play D anD D. Like honestly, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, he did not. It's probably gonna spend a long time in jail now. Probably. I mean, he he did not kill the vice president, but he did. Put a gun in her face and tried to pull the trigger two times yeah, in front yeah. of tons of yeah, cameras. Yeah, unfortunately, that gets you to attempted assassination. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's, uh, I think even he did some he, crimes. Even if he didn't know how to chamber his round properly. Yeah, once again, the master race prevails. So yeah, any any, any other notes on uh, on this guy or the stuff in Argentina? Any any uh, comments comments from the from the gallery? No, fascinating it, stuff. It, this again, this is this is. The, he is so much less cool and worse of an assassin than the Abe guy. This guy sucks. Yeah, no, com- compared to he's 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 the probably the least based guy we're going to be talking about. Yeah, I think yeah, by yeah. far. Um, right, like at least Eta was successful in uh, sending someone into near Earth orbit. Oh god, it was you, also you can buy Nimrod's books on Amazon.com. Yeah. That's a problem. All right, yeah. we'll be expensing some of those. <laughs> uh, that is, you shouldn't be able to do that. Come on. He has a Twitter uh, account? What? All right. Let's just read some of these tweets. Are they in English or Spanish? Uh, Spanish. Drop the links. But I can, I can, trans, I can do Google Translate. Um, oh, talking about Zionist terrorism. Oh, um, the myth of the Holocaust. I mean, it's, again. Oh, it's, oh the myth of the Holocaust. He's a, no- he's a yeah. Nazi. Yeah. He's a, he's oh, a Nazi. What are you, oh, you going to expect? Physical um, reaction to that last one. Oh. But yes, so this, 
This was the guy that had the symbol that 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 had the weird uh the weird combination rune symbol that uh that the assassin liked the books of and used the symbology of on his Facebook. I just I just sent the writers of a Twitter account to the Cool Zone chat. Um, yeah. I do like. <laughs> Once, once I go to Nimrod's Twitter page on the Who to Follow section, it recommends Alexander Dugan. Good, good. Yeah, so no, that this this was the guy I I had vaguely read somewhere that this guy like liked Dugan or something. But he also isn't he dead? I believe he's dead. So who's yes. running this Twitter account? Well, he uh, hasn't posted some, for a while. These are like twenty sixteen posts. Some. Some lackey is using the Twitter. He died in like the nineties. He died in nineteen ninety seven. Okay, so this is like, yeah, all right, all right. This is like some lackey is 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 posting yeah. on his account to plug his books. Um, oh but, wow, maybe it's yeah. a mistake. There, yeah, that, he's retweeting the phalange. <laughs> it's funny. Lots of the people who retweet, you go to their account, and it's like uh, this account is temporarily unavailable because it violates Twitter's media policy. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I, I wonder why. I wonder what's yeah. going on there. Oh, bunch uh, of fucking Nazis. Yeah, I don't. I, I do like um, Nimrod's website is down, which is good. That is that is nice. Um, his official website is 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 offline, so that's good. Um, it sucks that his books are on Amazon, but you know, mm -hmm. it's good that he's you, dead. What can you do? It is. Yeah. It, it, it is. It is good that he's dead. Mm -hmm. So. Um, he is dead, the vice president is not, and the assassin's probably gonna be in jail for a long time. <laughs> and uh, that's the episode. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. This is assassination week. Oh, God, my left armpit, it hurts so much. My lung doesn't feel so good. Ronald Wilson Reagan, 666. Six letters in anyway, whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm Robert Evans. This is It Could Happen Here, a podcast about assassinating world leaders. Um, that's why it's called It Could Happen Here. And today we're talking about a time where it did, uh, when John Hinckley Jr. shot Ronald Wilson Reagan. Um, with me today, uh, James Stout, Garrison Davis, um, and of course, of course, the ghost of Ronald Reagan, who is a regular contributor uh, to our to our podcast series, along with the ghost of the Queen. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And yeah, now the ghost of the mm-hmm. Queen has joined the team. Very excited. Um, so obviously, John Hinckley shot Reagan in 1981. We're going to get into a lot of detail about Mr. Hinckley's life. This is something that is joked about a lot on the internet, including by me. Um, but you know, it, it's 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 interesting because. There's there's two strains of people who will like come out and tell you it's not cool to joke about John Hinckley Jr. shooting Ronald Reagan. And one of them is right, which are the people who are like, well, actually, like it's a pretty messed up story. And he like it's it's kind of messed up to to laugh about this family's tragedy because it was a family's tragedy. And the other people are like, no, it's fucked up because he had the hots for Jodie Foster. And what was actually going on there was a lot more complicated um, than that. So we're going to talk about all of the things that happened in this shooting, which was messed up and which I probably shouldn't joke about on Twitter Um, because it's actually really bleak. Um, And in order to understand both why it's sad on a personal level and why it's a tragedy for the entire country, um, yeah, I'm just going to start by talking about John Warnock Hinckley Jr., who was born on May 29th, 1955 in Ardmore, Oklahoma, which is about two and a half hours from where I grew up in Oklahoma. Unlike me, John's dad, who was John Warnock Hinckley Sr., was the chairman and president of Vanderbilt Energy. So they had lots of money, a lot of, a lot of yeah. walking around money. And, yeah. That Vanderbilt money. Yeah. And like any, most people who have good money, they don't stay in Oklahoma. Um, they have any owls? I know the Vanderbilt's big owl. Must have. Is. I'm certain yeah. they did. Add mm-hmm. owls to this story as you picture John's childhood. Yeah. Um, so they're rich as hell and they get the fuck out of Oklahoma and move to Dallas, Texas when John was four, which is so far weirdly like my life in a lot of ways, although I was a bit older. Um, maybe that's why I didn't get the madness. 
So that's not why. Normally, getting kids away from Oklahoma really, really fixes stuff. But good, John good was call. taken. Yeah, John was <laughs> taken to the only place more toxic than small town Oklahoma, a wealthy neighborhood in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. He attended Highland Park High School, uh, the school where I would later lose several speech and debate competitions and win one or two as well. Um, it's where if you if you're in the DFW area, the rich kids who don't have go, good drugs go to Highland Park. The rich rich kids with good drugs go to Jesuit because they're private school kids. But Highland Park is like the rich kids who are going to like try to sell you shitty ditch weed. Anyway, these are this is important Dallas Fort Worth yeah. context. Con- and I assume yes. it was the same when he was a child. Um, <laughs> as far as I've ever found any information, he was a pretty yorm- normal young man for that time and place. Uh, there's no one really seems to notice anything particularly different about him. Um, he does reasonably well in school. Uh, later in life, he's going to express some racist thoughts in his diary and in other writings prior to the shooting. It doesn't really seem to have ever been a motivating factor in his life. And to the extent that he had regressive beliefs, they seem to have been due to the fact that he grew up in a sheltered, rich, all-white environment. Um, and that's not great for you. Um, <laughs> shocked. Yeah, shocked. One <laughs> write up no in Texas, no less. Yeah. One write up in the New Republic describes his childhood this way: Perhaps it is fear of what lies outside that makes the interior of the family so rigid and subdued, like life in a well-run bunker. The world of the Hinckleys was the rootless middle-class sunbelt culture that nurtures pro-family values, Christian fundamentalism, and occasional mass murderers. Families move frequently, but without compromising their parochialism. Everywhere, people are white, Christian, Republican. Joanne explains John's egregious prejudices by saying he had never been around people of other races. Somewhere outside, there are malign elements, minority groups, rock musicians, big government, and the cynical, gosmous cosmopolites who dominate the media. Mothers in this culture do not lavish attention on their children, but on their furniture. (laughs) Now, that is a coastal liberal elite, like, fucking paragraph trying to describe, like, people who grow up in this situation. As someone else who grew up in a similar area, I think most of that is pretty silly. And, And more to the point, it doesn't get to why John does this. We're getting to why John does this. It's not because he grew up sheltered and a little racist. Um, that is not why he shoots the president. Um, there is, however, a bit of that 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 does strike me as accurate as, again, a kid who grew up near here a couple of decades later, which is the description of his childhood as life in a well-run bunker, which is kind of how it feels to live in these wealthy enclaves in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I grew up in Plano, which is you know, a couple of steps down the economic rung from Highland Park, but not all that far. And um, yeah, that's that's not a bad description of it. It just doesn't generally lead to kids shooting the president. More often, it leads to them shooting up heroin and then dying of heroin overdoses, which was the big problem in Plano when I was a kid. That said, it's also worth noting that his parents are not, as far as I can find, like 50 stereotypes. Like his dad's not this super masculine guy who's like mentally abusive to his kid. His his mom's not like checked out. Neither of them are against the idea that their son might have a mental illness and need help for it. In fact, it seems like they're kind of more open to the idea of reaching out for professional mental health for their kid than a lot of parents would have been at the same time period. In 1976, John drops out of Texas Tech to go to Hollywood and try to make it as a musician. Again, his parents are very supportive of him. Uh, One cannot say they didn't try to help their son live his dreams. When he gave up on music and he wanted to be a writer, they paid for him to take a class at Yale. 
Uh, we'll get to that in a second. It it doesn't go well because um, he's yeah. Anyway, but John's not being honest with his ambitions, nor is he open with his parents about his mental health. We now know that John developed schizophrenia as a young man and had a series of psychotic breaks when he would get money to do stuff like this Yale writing class. He would take it and buy guns. He did go to Yale, but it was mainly to stalk Jodie Foster, who was going to Yale at the same time. Um, Now, this is all occurring in the late 1970s and early 1980s, which is the fucking dark ages for treatment of this particular condition and a lot of other conditions. There are not a lot of good options. Among other things, I just said, He's not open with his parents about the fact that his mental health is declining. I don't know how he really could have been. I don't understand. I don't think it's likely. It's certainly not the case. This didn't happen to John, but I don't think it's very likely for a young man in this time and place to be well equipped by his education or society to express what is going on in his head to his parents. Um, And, you know, to be fair to his parents, they're not equipped with a lot of like, you know, an ability to really help him out here. And they're doing the things you would want them to do. Again, they repeatedly are bringing in professionals to try to help. Um, None of it is particularly useful, but it's not for lack of trying. Um, Like a lot of people who struggle with similar mental health issues, John seeks refuge in fiction. Unfortunately for everybody, the movie that he finds himself most drawn to is Taxi Driver. And I think most people are aware of this part of it. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's a a bad choice. That's a really bad choice. Yes, if he had found maybe Adventure Time or something, it would have been a lot healthier. But instead... Taxi Driver, if you haven't seen it, there's the the main character is this kid, Ro- Travis Bickle, played by a very young Robert De Niro. It is weird to watch him because we're all so used to old man Bob De Niro, um, who is thinking about assassinating like a presidential candidate and then kind of through movie magic rescues a child prostitute played by Jodie Foster from a pimp. Um, and Hinkley thinks the movie is kind of talking to him and providing him oh, with like oh, really? in- information <laughs> about how he can fix his own life. He starts uh-huh. dressing like Travis Bickle. He starts oh, wearing God. like an army jacket and boots and drinking the way that Bickle drank. He starts buying guns. He gets really into guns for, yep. you know, um, he start you know, in letters that he's writing home to his parents, he starts talking about this relationship he has with a woman named Lynn who isn't real, but who sounds a lot like one of the women that Travis Bickle has an interest with in the movie. Um, And yeah, this is kind of the start of his obsession with Jodie Foster. And there are people who will like say that he's a pedophile because she's 13 in the movie. That doesn't seem to be the case. When he is actually stalking her and most obsessed with her, she is 18 and he is stalking her in real life and calling her on the phone and stuff, which is like bad and messed up. But he's not into her because she's young in this movie. He's into her because he's he's kind of losing his mind and obsessing with her, right? So while this is all going on, kind of in the late stages of this, his parents bring in a psychiatrist. Um, again, they're they're willing to fund and support him in seeking professional help. The doctor they wound up getting for him, I don't know if he's a bad doctor for the time, but he's wrong as hell. He kind of looks at the fact that John has been normal, quote unquote, in high, quote unquote, in high school and like at the start of his college career. And so he looks at this kid who's like seems to be developmentally normal up to a certain point and then goes off the rails and says, well, it's because you were sheltered and coddled by your rich parents and you're just lazy. Right. Oh, no. That's 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 <laughs> what this guy says. So a big oh, part of yeah. his like advice to mom and dad is you got to cut him off. You can't can't keep giving him stuff, can't keep giving him money, can't keep taking care of him. Um, so while this is happening and this guy is like making them make plans for John to be less reliant on his parents, 
John Hinckley is getting way more into guns. He does a lot of target shooting. He also plays a lot of Russian roulette with himself alone in his basement, which is not Oof. not great. Um, in Christmas of 1979, he takes a very famous photo of himself holding a handgun to his temple. Now, John is increasingly harassing Jodie Foster in this period. Now, what he's doing is not, he is not just obsessing with her and it's one-sided. He is reaching her on the phone. They talk a couple of times. Um, I didn't know that. Yes, they do. Oh, wow. uh, she is always very terse in their calls, always, you can tell, is kind of frightened, but is very controlled and careful. I would describe the way she handles this as very responsible and, like, you can tell she's talked with, like, people, I think, like, her manager or something and been like, I have been advised, like, I don't want you calling. She's very, tries to be very clear here. Huh. Um, and I think handles this as well as a person can possibly handle you know, being stalked in this way. I, I believe he's able to get her number because, like, it's the 80s and people just have numbers in the phone book. Yeah. Um, again, she's kind of taking a break from Hollywood right now and is going to Yale. Um, right. His obsession with Foster veers between these kind of, like, fantasies of, like, harming her or harming a guy that she's with uh, or harming himself and eventually harming the president of the United States. Now, he is not one to shoot the president for political reasons. He has no kind of particular anger at the president that he wants to work out with a gun. He wants, number one, to impress her, and he wants everyone to know his name and know his name associated with Jodie Foster, right? Because, again, he's very ill. Um, he starts following Jimmy Carter around. He goes to, like, three different Jimmy Carter rallies in D.C. and in Ohio. There's video of him 20 feet away from Carter at one point. He probably has a gun on him. Um, like he gets really close to Carter. Uh, again, one of the through lines here is that like presidential security wasn't great in 19. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not very good. Um, yeah. uh, Car John thinks about shooting Carter. He's probably there and equipped to do it, but he just can't get himself into the frame of mind to shoot Jimmy Carter, which is understandable That's because it is it is Jimmy Carter, right? Like he is yeah, a hard yeah. man to want to shoot to death. So there's a moment where he like, yeah, so he's he's kind of bouncing around after this period where he like is he 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 thinks about shooting Carter, but he doesn't. He is in communication with this Nazi ideologue and they almost have a meeting, but they don't. Um, that's all kind of obscure, kind of unclear. And then on October 6th, 1980, he gets arrested at the Nashville airport with a briefcase full of handguns and a pair of handcuffs. Now <laughs> Whoops among us hasn't. Whoops <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. among us has not Just been in this situation. Picked up uh, the gun bag. And, uh, oops. Yep. Yeah, it's wrong bag. He says he's what just trying to sell them, and they're like, well, you still can't get on a plane with a bunch of guns, John Hinckley Jr. Uh, this is this is pre-9-11, too. Pre, yeah. This is pre-9-11. So he you have to assume really he's looking weird. He's like yeah. sweaty and in an yeah. army jacket and talking to him, and they're like, well, we've literally never searched a single person before in the entire life of this airport, but let's check this guy. <laughs> What's this massively heavy briefcase yeah. you're carrying? There's a fucking, there's a dude just walking in with a stinger, and they're like, no, no, let that guy on, but we yeah. gotta check John Hinckley. <laughs> um, uh, so he flies to Dallas, where he buys more handguns uh, and some explosive <laughs> 22 caliber bullets. We will talk about that in a little bit, but they are explosive bullets explosive for his handgun. 22 caliber bullets. Yes, yes, wow. they are bullets that are meant to explode on impact. Is, See, is um, he like reading Soldier of Fortune magazine at this point? Because this nobody seems he's like he's into gun culture. So I have yeah. we, we have to assume. 
I think his no. family's kind of casually conservative. He is kind of maybe, as is embodied by the Nazi thing, probably dabbling in some areas. Again, I think that's pro- that's certainly not good for him. It's also, I don't think, politics, I haven't seen any real evidence that politics is a motivating factor in what this guy is doing. Um, he does get explosive bullets. Uh, probably <laughs> helps that he has explosive bullets in terms of making this less dangerous. These are not <laughs> yeah. good explosive bullets. They are meant to be fired out of a larger weapon than he fires them out of. Uh, but they are supposed to, basically the idea is, this. these are 22 caliber rounds. So the idea is that this little explosive charge in them makes them more like a 38. So we're not talking about huh. like military yeah, grade yeah. weaponry or anything here. Why is um, he doing, uh, you may not know of course, yeah. but like if he's a massive gun dork, why he's is not a he massive, been... no, it, gun okay. culture is different then, right? He's buying okay. a bunch of handguns, he's shooting a lot. I, I don't know that it would be, he's not particularly good or knowledgeable with yeah. it, right? okay. Yeah, yeah, I see. But yeah, gun culture is very, it's harder to get information about guns, right? Maybe today course, he would yeah. have gotten a lot more into You're it. You're like and, just flipping yeah. through magazines. And exactly. Stuff. You can't, you can't exactly. like look something up online. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Is 22 yeah. good for assassination? Just Google exactly. It. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is also like, this is what he can afford, right? He gets kind of a, uh, he, yeah, he's yeah. lost his better guns, right? <laughs> they have been, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're a property of the state. So he winds up with yeah, his 22 he, and he gets these explosive bullets to try to make it give more of a kick. Uh, obviously, the thing that's going on in the background here is that Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan are having a presidential election, which Reagan wins. Um, we'll talk a little bit about kind of that a bit later, but that happens. Reagan is the president-elect. Um, he flies home. Hinckley flies home. Things continue to deteriorate in his own life. He's continuing to like travel around. John Lennon is assassinated, and he kind of goes a little bit nuts over that because he loves John Lennon also might kind of think that he is John Lennon. So that does not okay. help his mental state. He visits the the um the 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 what is it the shrine to him in New York at one point. And he kind of when he gets back in March of 1981, his dad cuts him off. Um basically like says, you know, you've got your here's your car, here's two hundred dollars. We can't take care of you anymore, John. And I think this is his dad basically trying to take that psychiatrist's advice of like it we need to have tough love. He has to be forced to kind of get his shit together. But John Hinckley is not really capable of getting his shit together because he is profoundly ill. So he uses that money to pay for hotel rooms in Denver where he sits alone watching television with a gun. Um, Not great treatment for schizophrenia. Uh, Reagan wins the election uh, in what was a sweep electorally, but fairly tight in terms of popular vote. He's got like 50.5% of the popular vote, something like that. It's pretty close. And soon after taking office, he gets hammered on a bunch of stuff, right? The economy's not great. He's this he's he's back. He, he's like going for a bunch of far right policies to unwind the New Deal, a lot of which are unpopular and some of which he'd said he wasn't going to do in debates with Carter. It, he's not he doesn't have the kind of traditional grace period most presidents get where they're broadly popular. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not looking great for kind of the midterms is what I'm getting at. Um, so Reagan's staff is struggling to write the ship, trying to figure out, like, how do we how do we fix all this? Reagan or Hinckley, while this is going on, gets convinced that like shooting the president is a pretty good idea. He doesn't have a lot of other options. He's kind of like running out of money and he's able to get a little bit more from his mom, but he's he's increasingly unhinged and alone and desperate. On March 29th, he checks into a hotel in D.C. where he finds in a local paper the president's schedule. He loads his 22 caliber revolver, he writes a letter to Jodie Foster, and he travels to the Hilton, where the president is set to deliver a speech to union workers. Uh, Here is how John's letter to, uh, to her ends. Quote, 
I will admit to you that the reason I'm going ahead with this attempt now is because I just cannot wait any longer to impress you. I've got to do something now to make you understand, in no uncertain terms, that I am doing all of this for your sake. By sacrificing my freedom and possibly my life, I hope to change your mind about me. This letter is being written only an hour before I leave for the Hilton Hotel. Jody, I'm asking you to please look into your heart and at least give me the chance, with this historical deed, to gain your respect and love. I love you forever. John Hinckley. It's a... Not great. Yeah, that's <laughs> wild. Yeah. yeah. Not a good um, letter to get. Yeah, not a great letter to get. <laughs> not a great letter to send. What, um, was was this actually like delivered in the mail? Was this uh, like... I believe so, yeah. I think this, wow. she winds up getting this. Wow. I mean, like, she has to come to court and stuff when he goes on trial. It's like something he kind of demands, and I think she does to just make right. it easier for things to move along. Um, obviously, she, she does nothing wrong at any point in this process. She's just living her life, and this guy is... Out of his out of out of his head and has easy access to guns, um, which is a problem. At 2:27 p.m. on March 30th, 1981, John Hinckley Jr. opens fire at the president's entourage from just a few feet away. Reagan had been speaking to a bunch of union guys at this this thing at the Hilton anyway, and they're kind of like walking out into towards the the, the limo when this happens. John's first shot hits James Brady, the press secretary and former PR man for Phyllis Schlafly, in his head. Uh, he then wounds a police officer and a Secret Service agent. He actually does not hit, probably does not, I don't. I think there's still a little bit of debate because it's like ballistics are kind of fucky, but he probably doesn't directly hit Reagan. Instead, around fragments and bounces off the armored limousine, penetrating the president's lung. None of the explosive bullets explode because they're not the right bullets for the gun. The barrel is too short. Um, so it doesn't, it might even do less damage than it would have done. Although maybe they fragment because they're these weird explosive bullets and that's why Reagan gets hurt. Anyway, hard to say. Nobody really understands ballistics all that well today. There's a lot of debate yeah. over how all this stuff works. Uh, Reagan had been in office for 69 days and no real plan existed for what to do if the president gets shot and is alive, but is unable to do the job of the president. Um, fucking uh, George H.W. Bush is in the air a bunch of this time and like people oh. can't reach him. Um, they're like, he's there saying, you need to come back to Washington now. Um, so kind of the people running the country for a few hours is Al Haig, the secretary of state and like a room full of guys in the cabinet who are all disagreeing about everything and none of whom are constitutionally supposed to be running the country. Right. Um, right. It's so a real big problem. Like the fucking, like the, the press ask at one point, cause Hague goes out there to be like, Hey, the president's in surgery. And they're like, well, who's, who's in charge? Like with the nukes and stuff, who's running the country. And he's like, we got a whole room full of guys. Don't worry. It's all yeah. fine. And they're like, is that what the law says? Cause I don't think that's yeah. how it's supposed to go. Um, it's, it's not great. It's actually a real problem, and they do they they make a bunch of changes after this to make sure that like we never don't know who the president <laughs> is when if this kind of thing happens yeah. at least. Um, but on a political level, this is fucking gangbusters for the Reagan administration. And I'm going to quote from a write up in El Pai here. The assassination attempt silenced criticism of his administration at a critical point early in his term, explains H.W. Brands, author of the biography Reagan: The Life, in an email. The good humor he exhibited during his recovery, he spent only 12 days in the hospital, convinced many skeptics. Some of, some of his followers believed that God had forgiven him to allow him to finish his work, and it is possible that Reagan thought so too. 
On the 30th anniversary of the assassination attempt, journalist Del Winton Wilbur published Rawhide Down, a thorough investigation full of revelations of what happened that day. The book is written in the style of true crime, and its title is a reference to the Secret Service codename given to Reagan. Rawhide, Joe Biden's codename is Celtic, and Donald Trump's was Mogul. It reaches two important conclusions. Firstly, it argues that Reagan became the first president since Eisenhower to serve two terms because of the way he and his team handled the assassination attempt. And secondly, the White House did not reveal the seriousness of Reagan's injuries. He walks into the hospital and then stops breathing and collapses. Um, Like he walks in specifically because he wants to be seen walking in. And it's like they don't know that he's been shot at first. It's not like bleeding a bunch outside. He's bleeding internally. So it's this is like legitimately the best case scenario. It would have been hard to figure out what had happened to him. Kind of because you can't immediately tell that he's bleeding. A lot of people have been shot. And so everyone just kind of assumes he's having a heart attack, which is why they take him to the hospital. He thinks actually, I think he believes that his Secret Service agent broke his ribs getting him into the limo. Um, Uh, But if they'd taken him to the White House first, he would have fucking died. He loses half of his blood in the surgery. Like it's that's pretty, which is like bad. If you lose half your blood, that's not like a great injury. Um, just it's just lung collapsing is uh, what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they, they've got him on oxygen and stuff. He's like barely able to joke with the doctors, which he does, which is one of the things that like goes viral from this and makes him yeah. so popular because he's he's yucking it up, old Ronnie. <laughs> um, his uh, yeah, this is believe. There's a number of massive long term fucking consequences to this. One of them is that this is why uh, Nancy brings in Joan Quigley, the astrologer. Like this is when she, you could refer back to the Behind the Bastards two-parter on the Reagan astrologer, but this is why the Reagan astrologer becomes, like they start, they stop having him do events when the astrologer says it's a bad day for it and shit, because like Nancy, this kind of breaks her. And it also kind of breaks Ronald. He's not the same man after getting shot, which to be fair, he is 70 when this happens. So getting shot in the lung at 70, most people aren't gonna come back all the way. This is also probably doesn't help the Alzheimer's may accelerate the timetable there. But on a political level, this goes fucking great for the Republicans and it allows them to do a lot of really fucked up shit. And I'm gonna quote from CNN here. Today, Reagan is the only modern president who receives high marks from Republicans, Democrats, and independents alike. A look at the polls can quantify the roots of this enduring goodwill. Despite an electoral landslide over Jimmy Carter with a 44-state win in 1980, Reagan won a narrow popular margin of 50.7%. Moreover, Gallup's valuable presidential poll tracker shows that Reagan's approval ratings were significantly split along partisan lines after his 1981 inauguration, with 74% Republican support and 53% from independents, but 38% from Democrats. When Reagan came back to the Capitol on April 28th to push for his Economic Recovery Act, he was greeted by a hero's welcome and a three-minute standing ovation. He leveraged his political capital to help publish pass his agenda. Before the end of the summer, the Reagan tax cuts had passed the House of Representatives, led by Democratic Speaker Tip O'Neill and the Republican-controlled Senate, reducing the top tax rates from a confiscatory 70% and unleashing an entrepreneurial era. That's how CNN categorizes yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that guy. That's what we got to call yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Um, and in 1984, Reagan wins 49 states and 59% of the popular vote. It is very clear kind of how this happens and what this allows Reagan to do. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because you have in Britain, like less than a year later, or uh, we have Margaret Thatcher, right? Like who is similarly not doing very well. 
yeah. until she gets to go to war for two tiny little cold islands in the Atlantic yeah. that no one knew about before. Like, and yeah. then they proceed to just ravage like the like post World War II social democracy mm-hmm. consensus. Just fuck it up. And fucking here we are now. Here we are. 2022 and people are going to die of cold in Britain this winter. I will say in terms of just to be fair, one of the things people will say is a positive from this is that this is one of the things that helps push the arms treaty deals with the Soviet Union because Reagan is like, God saved me for a reason and maybe it's to make (laughs) nuclear war less likely. That's a bigger topic than today. It's a thing that he will claim and- Generally speaking, the fact that the Soviet Union and Reagan started talking about nukes during this period is not a bad thing. Um, Always good to be talking about nukes. Um, But yeah, what I will say, if we're looking at kind of the only clearly good thing that came out of this shooting, it's the fact that the justice system actually worked in this one instance pretty much exactly how you would want it to. Hinckley was clearly not mentally competent to understand his actions, what he had done, or to stand trial, and he was declared not guilty by reason of insanity. His father, tearful, took blame for the shooting for cutting his son off from resources. The psychiatrist who had botched his diagnosis admitted his mistakes on the stand and expressed regret. Hinckley was sent to a psychiatric facility where he received decades of treatment, and the treatment seems to have really helped him. On December 17th, 2003, a federal judge ruled that Hinckley was entitled to unsupervised visits with his parents. This is five years before his dad died, so they they get time together again. In 2007, he has a request for unsupervised visits as long as one month. This is denied, not because of any problems, but because of issues the hospital had not taken to prepare for the transition. In July of 2016, Judge Paul Friedman concluded that Hinckley did not pose a threat to himself or others and ordered him released. Um, the conditions initially limited him to his residence, residence where he lived with his mother in parts of Southern California. He was obviously forbidden from contact with past or present presidents of the United States or any of their family members or graves, uh, from banning. He was banned from contact with Jodie Foster or other entertainers. Uh, he was prohibited from watching violent movies, television, or online media. Uh, in 2018, a restriction confining him to his mother's house ended. Uh, he can now live anywhere he wants with doctor's approval. Uh, and on September 27th, 2021, John Hinckley Jr., age 66, was approved for unconditional release by District Judge Paul Friedman. Uh, Friedman noted that, quote, very few patients at St. Elizabeth's Hospital have been studied more thoroughly than John Hinckley. And again, that's pretty much how it ought to work, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, he shoots the president, but clearly because he's sick and you don't just punish sick people when they don't know what they've done, so he gets treated for decades until oh, he's better, and now he's able he to live a life. Penalty. Yes, yeah. it's really good. Quite, quite surprising. It is very surprising, and part of why it's surprising is that one of the other negative lingering effects of John Hinckley attempting to shoot the president is that a lot of changes are made in many states to make it much less likely that people benefit from the same understanding <sighs> judicial system that John Hinckley Jr. does. Uh, okay, I'm going to yes. quote now from a write-up from FamousTrials.com, which has a pretty good pretty good bit on just kind of everything that happened here. It's a fair, pretty fair summary, I think. Within a month of the Hinckley verdict, the House and Senate were holding hearings on the insanity defense. A measure proposed by Senator Arlen Specter shifted the burden of proof of insanity to the defense. President Reagan expressed his support for the measure with the comment, if you start thinking about even a lot of your friends, you would have to say, gee, if I had to prove they were sane, I would have a hard job. 
maybe, <laughs> maybe, that, maybe yeah. that tells us more about you than what maybe you think. Maybe that says uh, a lot about your administration, who are, yeah. by the way, at this point, deep in like Iran-Contra shit, selling yeah, cocaine. Yeah. And, and anyway, we, we're talking about all of this on an upcoming episode of Bastards. But like, yeah, they're all monsters. Uh, joining cons- Congress and shifting the burden of proof were a number of states. Within three years after the Hinckley verdict, two-thirds of the states placed the burden on the defense to prove insanity, while eight states adopted a separate verdict of guilty but mentally ill, and one state, Utah, abolished the defense altogether. Good um, Utah. Yeah. Always delivering. So <laughs> the system works really well for John Hinckley Jr., yeah. Um, and then I, I, I think ethically, and so I think they like, change it. I think the Justice Department of the United States. This is maybe one of, and probably in history, you will not find many cases of a guy shooting an active world leader and being treated ethically by the justice system. Like he's handled very reasonably, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, never again, never again will that happen for anybody, even if they don't shoot the president. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Obviously, I wish John Hinckley Jr. well. I I hope his musical career goes fine. Um, (laughs) I fuck Ronald Reagan. Um, Hate him. And uh, yeah, uh, it's probably made the world a lot worse that John Hinckley Jr. tried to shoot Ronald Reagan because it it empowered Ronald Reagan. One of the lessons here, if we're talking about assassinations, is that um, it's a real wild card. As trying to assassinate a president <laughs> yeah. or any other po- politician. And as a general rule, people are kind of programmed to think that somebody's cool if they get shot and don't die. Like, it's that- one of the cooler <laughs> things that, like, look, it just yeah. objectively, it's, pr- what do you do yeah. if you want to show John McClane as hard as hell? You can get, like, hit in the arm or something and just, like, work through it, right? Yeah. Like, what do people, people talk about, like, Teddy Roosevelt when he was shot and how bad it was that he gave, a, badass it was that he gave a speech or how cool it is that fucking Andrew but Jackson you know got shot a know who bunch, they dude. don't say any of these things about is JFK. That's right. They don't. Because they don't, dying because is yeah, not yeah. cool. Because dying's not cool. Yeah, yeah, not cool at all. <laughs> over the roof of a church. Yeah. <laughs> Lame as yeah. hell. Yeah. So um, don't, don't do But that. like, you know, this is the, look, if, if you want John F. Kennedy to stop being the president, and you can successfully kill him, you will get what you want. He's no longer the president. Um, if you were to have a political motivation, and again, Hinckley doesn't. Hinckley is not thinking about <laughs> yeah, yeah. the top marginal tax yeah, right. rate when he does this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you if that had been his goal, this is the opposite of that, right? Because it just yeah. makes Reagan look cool and helps him, makes everybody feel like an asshole for fighting him for a while. So like he gets a bunch of shit through. And also- a bunch of laws get worse for mentally ill people, and uh, in on the whole, bad, bad, bad assassination. Yeah. Yeah. Bad assass- z- <laughs> zero, zero out of ten. Yeah, I have to say, based on pre- based on the evidence we have here, shooting Ronald Reagan, not a good idea. They didn't yeah. do it. No. Mm-hmm. They let the whole team down. And we should just plug his album. It's out on Asbestos We Records. should plug his album. Because again, he's not responsible for this. <laughs> yeah, you know, like he's, if he's happy singing songs, I'm happy for him. Yes, yes. So, I, yeah. I wish you the best of luck, John. You can buy mm-hmm. his T-shirts. He's got T-shirts that he's trying to move, which yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's bad to encourage his music career. Like, seriously, like we're all doing it with a little bit of a smile. But what's the harm if John yeah. Hinckley Jr. thinks that people like his music? That doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah, and look, yeah. maybe if people can see that, like, if you treat people with mental illnesses, like yes. people who are ill, not fucking uh, terrible mm-hmm. people, then they can get to a place where they can sing songs on YouTube, and that's yeah, nice. Yeah, that's good. That's an example, again, 
of the only time it worked the way it's it should. But it did yeah. work out pretty well in this case. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know. Yeah. Take so whatever lessons you want to out of this. Yeah. <laughs> many, many possible things can be learned. A lot of, lot of, <laughs> lot of different lessons we can take yeah. out of this. Much don't to, hire much Al Haig, but I feel like that's that's a generally good lesson. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a Phoenix Punch band called Jodie Foster's Army. I've just read as well, who makes songs sure. about him. Which, Great. Yeah, by that's their records too. Fine. Yes. Yep. No strong opinions on that either way. Anyone else got anything to say about John Hinckley Jr. or the assassination attempt on Ronnie Rawhide Reagan? Also, we're That's talking about the IRA a lot this week. Probably not for nothing that Joe Biden's code name is Celtic. And the queen mm. dies now? Makes you think, You're telling it? me it's a coincidence? Uh, I still suspect Liz Trust personally. Mm. I, I think that maybe Joe Biden shook hands with Liz Trust and like mm-hmm. like transferred uh, a nerve tickle. a nerve poison onto her hand and then she touched the queen. Definitely possible. She wanted Sweet to be Joe one sipping a Guinness on the plane back, knowing that he's done his job <laughs> in his balaclava and inexplicably yeah. yeah. <laughs> Air Force One. Anyway, <laughs> hopefully nobody who has stuff going on listens to that and takes the wrong message out of it <laughs> yeah no be kind to one another uh anyway we're done Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, You can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Prime Minister Abe was a champion of democracy and a firm believer that no economy, society, or country can achieve its full potential if women are left behind. I am shocked and devastated by his assassination, a loss for Japan and our world. JK, this is Assassination Week. Who's assassinating my ex? Ex-former Prime Minister of Japan. It's it's assassination week. It is. It is. I I I I would kind of I would somewhat vaingloriously argue the capstone of assassination week. It is the episode about the assassination that started it all. Um, and by by that I mean we are we are we are here talking about the assassination of one Shinzo Abe. Um, th- this is this is going to be a slightly different. Uh, an episode both to the rest of the assassination week episodes and to the other episode we did on the assassination of Shinzo Abe. Um, partly because basically the day after within, within about two days of the, our episode, our original episode about the Abe assassination dropping, um, there was confirmation that the reason Abe was killed was because of his connection to an organization called the unification church which is, I think, better colloquially known as the Moonies. Um, people might have listened to the very, very long episode I did about it, but yeah, there is there is an enormous amount going on there, and this is something that, fortunately, we have experts for. And yeah, so so jo- joining us to talk about this assassination and the Moonies and sort of, I don't know, the, the sort of weirdness and the horror around everything that's been happening around this assassination is anti-fascist researcher Elisa Majub. Yeah, um, Elisa is a, a anti-fascist researcher specializing in cults who's working with uh, Deprogramming Imperialism, which is a collective of ex-Moonies who've been documenting just sort of all of the shit the Moonies have been getting up to and trying to get more awareness of really the, the, the just incredible array of awful stuff that they've been doing. Yeah, so Elisa, uh, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you thank you so much for joining us for this. I don't yeah, know definitely. why I'm saying us as if there's someone other than me <laughs> on this episode and you, but you know, old, old old habits die hard. I guess I guess I've inherited the royal we, which is <laughs> not great. Oh well, so someone will have to assassinate me soon. That's fine. <laughs> Sometimes it happens. I hope it doesn't happen to you though. You seem Yeah. Cool, so. <laughs> Assassination target, honestly. Yeah. So, okay. I I guess the place I think we should start is talking about what we found out about this assassin in the last sort of few months since this happened, which is that 
when when the initial police reports came out, there was a bunch of very, very murky stuff about Basically, the police were like, this wasn't a political killing. It was about some organization. And I think me and you and every single other person who was like even tangentially aware of Japanese politics saw them say like an organization and was like, oh, no, there's like a one in three chance this is the Moody's. Yeah, that's yeah. I saw like I when they said something about like organization or religious organization, I was like, yeah, oh, I was like, fuck. hmm. Oh. <laughs> I know what well, that probably is. Yeah. It was, and, yeah. <laughs> Wild. Yeah, and, and it turns out that, okay, so the, the, the assassin is a man named Tetsuya Yamagami, who was a, a Navy veteran, um, yeah, made a, a series of unbelievably based and incredibly wild firearms with which he assassinated the former prime minister of Japan. What, what we've learned since then is that the reason he did this was that his... Basically, like, his family and his, like, life were completely destroyed by his mom falling into this cult and by her, I mean, she she she, she gave this cult, set, like, something like $700,000. Yeah, like, roughly 720000 US dollars. Yeah. Like, literal, like, like, multiple fortunes. Like, she, she, she gave them all of her money and then she sold the company that, like, she had been running to give them more money. And yeah, what, what, what basically as best we can tell has happened was that he was, he was looking at a way to like get back at the booties. Um, and ba- basically the problem was he, he, okay. So he didn't want to kill civilians, which I think is admirable. And he couldn't figure out a way to like get at any of the like individual church leaders. And so his, the thing he decided to do was go after Shinzo Abe because, as as we're going to get to in a in a bit, uh, Shinzo Abe lots of connections with the Unification Church, uh, a thing that all of the people like writing glowing obituaries about him uh, just like incredibly don't want to mention. Yeah, it's been left out of a lot of shit. Yeah, and okay, so I, I guess to back up a little bit. Um, can for 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 people who sort of don't know what this is, or for people who like may have heard of it but need a refresher, can you talk a bit about what 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 the Unification Church actually is, and yeah, we we can sort of go from there. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so the Unification Church or the Moonies, uh, they are a quote unquote. A uh, new religious movement, or pretty much a cult, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're very culty. <laughs> they're a cult. Um, and they were started by Sun Myung Moon, who was originally from what is now North Korea. Uh, and so basically, this guy, he claims he's the Messiah, uh, has this uh, originally, it started out as like a sex cult um, under a practice called, I think, Picaram. Uh, which is basically uh, he was supposed to uh, quote unquote cleanse a woman's like uh, relationship to God by having sex with her. So he assaulted a number of people doing this stuff. Um, And the church over the years has sort of like developed into more of a multinational corporation uh, and political movement. Uh, And it has a lot of tools uh, I mean, a lot of uh, ties and connections to uh, various governments around the world, including Japan, um, and is basically, at the end of the day, a tool of United States imperialism. Um, there's some pretty 
pretty direct ties to like the Korean CIA. Oh uh, yeah. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> as well as the U S CIA. Um, so yeah, it's like this big umbrella of like groups, different NGOs, different like businesses, uh, a bunch. It's just a whole conglomeration of things. Right. Um, but very extremely virulently anti-communist, uh, and, you know, involved in some of uh, some of the the greatest hits of the last century, like Iran Contra, uh, yeah, like for the I, fascists. I, I... Yeah, well, uh, greatest and, hits for us. <laughs> and and when, when when we say involved in Iran Contra, like okay, there's lots of people who are like sort of involved in Iran Contra. The yeah. Moonies, like there there is a decent there you can there, you can make the argument that if the Moonies had not been doing what they were doing in Nicaragua, Iran Contra wouldn't have been able to happen because the civil yeah. war would have ended. Like they like. When, when, when I say, like, when we say, like, like they, they were involved in the Iran Contra, like, they are, like, on the ground giving people guns and money and keeping, like, liter- yeah. literally keeping guerrilla organizations and, like, terrorist groups, like, in the war who wouldn't Directly have been able to otherwise. Involved. Yeah. And then, and then also, yeah. and, and that's, that's the thing, like, they did two Iran Contras, right? Because they, 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 yeah. they, 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 they did the second Iran Contra with, like, with, with, you know, when the CIA actually got money. But they were also doing the same thing, like, before that, when they, yeah. like, in, in, in the sort of stopgap period where the CIA wasn't able to fund the Contras. So yeah, these guys are they were a like, nice back route for that money and yeah. all the other shit. Yeah, so it, it's yeah, they're very very heavily involved. Like and basically anywhere there is an anti-communist death squad like in the world, you it's, you you can find the Moody's funding it. Yep. Although okay, I, I will say much. this weirdly the 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 only one I the only one I haven't directly been able to find is I haven't been able to directly find any evidence that they were. Like that, like specifically, they were helping Pinochet. Like, I'm gonna say helping Pinochet. Okay, they 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 were involved in Operation Condor, and they were like doing shit with that. I haven't found evidence they like directly had any conversations with Pinochet, but that's he's like the the only person you can say that about. And they probably yeah. did at some point, like, but you know, I like Alfredo Strassner. Yeah, like they probably did. Like, I mean, again, like they they were they were they were there with Alfredo Strassner. They were there with um, what what's that guy's name? Uh. Klaus Barbie, the cocaine. Coup oh yeah, in, uh, yeah. I, I can't, I can't, yeah. I can't remember. The, I can't remember the name of the guy. Yeah, there, there was there was a guy in Bolivia who got installed for like a year, and then he got cooed. I can't oh, remember his uh, name right now. Um, is yeah, no, I, yeah. I I know who you're talking about, but I'm also forgetting his name at the moment. Yeah, no, he's well, <laughs> it's it's funny because he's he's one of these guys where it's like, you know, I I I I, I had a professor. I took I took a Syrian history class in college, right? And mm-hmm. um, there I think it's. I really should. If I was going to say this, I really should know the year. But there, 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 there's a year in like the 50s in Syria where there's like four coups in one year, and there were like two guys who, technically speaking, had like had control of Syria. He was like, I'm just not even going to tell you these guys' names because they get overthrown in like two months, and like that's 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 <laughs> this guy. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this is a very sort of very serious and deeply scary like death squad funding machine yeah yeah is, and that yeah. you know has continued to today pretty much so yeah. oof yeah and okay i i think like yeah so yeah there's sort of the death squad side of it um the other thing i wanted to ask you about is about like what it's like being in the church and what it's like sort of I don't know because I I I I think I think a big part of of what's happening with this story is Tetsuya Yamagami like basically watching his family get sucked in and 
not being able to do anything about it. And I, I was wondering if you could talk a bit about, yeah, I mean, sort of like what 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 it's like being in the church, and then what it's like just sort of watching it destroy people. Yeah. So um, I was born and raised in the church. Uh, I left when I was around seventeen. It was not. It was not nice. Um, pretty much everybody I talk to who is also left uh, feels the burden of this like horrific abuse that we had to endure. Um, it was a bleak time for me. Uh, you know, there's just so much pressure put on members to follow leadership, to do out outrageous amounts of fundraising they have a, a bunch of these fundraising teams right and they'll they'll go out and they'll sell things and live in a van uh occasionally stopping at like different church centers um to like uh you know sleep for the night or whatever they don't eat well uh they don't get enough sleep you know like you're constantly around other people basically like all, all of the methods of psychological torture you can do on a person, right? Um, which was, you know, pretty standard throughout the whole movement. Um, now, I was lucky enough not to go on any of these fundraising teams because I left before um, that could happen. <laughs> but um, I still, you know, definitely feel like the psychological, you know, fallout from that. And it's something I'll be healing for, with, uh, healing from for the rest of my life. Um, yeah, so like there's, there's like no accountability for leadership. They can do whatever they want, but everybody else in the church, you know, uh, has to follow what Moon and the regional or national leadership says, or the uh, the 36 plus couples who are like some of Moon's original followers. Uh, it, there's it's like extremely hierarchical. Uh, there's a lot of racism within the group, uh, a huge amount of sexism that is like you know directly tied into their. Um, their belief system because uh the the fall of man according to the moonies was eve having sex with satan and then having sex with um adam and spreading that sin um so just like very inherently misogynistic extremely homophobic and transphobic movement just all around like so much sexual repression like you're not supposed to hold hands kiss do anything before marriage right and then it's only that person well of course moon you know didn't didn't like this didn't apply to him at all. He could sleep with anybody's wife pretty much. Um, so yeah, it was just altogether a very intense environment. Uh, just so much indoctrination uh, going into the heads of the people who are part of it. Um, yeah, just altogether shitty group. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, I, I went away to school in another state when I was 14. Um, it got me like, you know, the physical distance as well as like the space and time to actually think and reflect on uh, what was going on. And then I started doing some research online because I was like, well, maybe what people are saying about it is true. Maybe it is a cult. Um, and I came across this, the tragedy of the Six Marys, which was, you know, Moon uh, assaulting a bunch of women. Uh, and that sort of like made me just, you know, it sort of brought it to a head because I had like, you know, seen for the longest time how leadership was treated versus how regular members had to live in like poverty um but they got like big mansions and like nice things nice cars expensive watches uh but everybody else had to like give all their money to the church and you know 
was were like terrorized. Um, and uh, then eventually I I was like, I think I have to go. I like I had been through the process of like meeting the mystical or the uh, the evil other, which, you know, like people outside of the church or, you know, they're fallen. They're like, you know, basically they have original sin. So they're kind of evil. Right. Um, and gotten to know more people, um, queer people who were just like a hugely demonized uh, group of people within the UC. Um, and here I am today. I'm super queer. Um, but like hell that, yeah. like, hell yeah. Uh, but like getting to know people and actually seeing, you know, like, oh, my God, what they're saying, these people are not evil. They're normal. They're human. They are just different from straight people. I don't know. Uh, that to me also made like a huge difference. Um, and then when I was 17, uh, I went to another school and I was like, I want to get laid. I've had enough of this. <laughs> so <laughs> I went out and did that. And that felt like, you know, once I finally lost my virginity, it felt like sealing the deal. I'm like, if I have to go to hell now, okay. And it was cool because God didn't like immediately smite me where I, where I was <laughs> in bed at that point. Like I lived and I'm here to tell the tale. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's how i left <laughs> that rules i don't have any right, right. Like, yeah, like, this is uh, this is much more gay of a story than i was expecting which is all which is yeah. always a good thing yeah it, it, it kind of it reminds me a lot of like the stories of sort of like of people leaving like the really right-wing like evangelical was like it, like a lot of it reminds me of quiverful but like yeah more intense i think well it's like like i think like like the the, the level of i don't know i guess the level of separation yeah it's I think a lot seems more a lot isolated more, than yeah quiverful. they seem to be at least sort of like integrated into like other communities and stuff whereas the moonies i don't know like there's definitely like people have friends outside of it but like generally like people kind of keep to the moonies because you know they're supposed to be like god's chosen people or whatever so they yeah and they like look down on everyone else because they're not moonies <laughs> so yeah. yeah it is it's, it's also interesting to me that like literally like literally the term is just the evil other which is yeah, uh, really so i don't think that's a literal term but like that's how i sort of phrase mm. it or whatever but yeah or just like fallen people would be, or the fallen mm. world, the outsiders is what they would say. So just this very, you know, like very uh, like stigmatizing language that they use for people. Lots of people are just called evil in the church too. They just call people evil, like willy nilly. It's like, oh, you're satanic. Like, no, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> I don't know how to give you a good transition into this. Yeah, we're, we're we're going to ads. Yeah, so I I wanted to also talk about specifically one one of the things that the church does, and one of the things like the the, the sort of one of the specific things that Tetsuya Yamagami Yamagami seems to have been suffering from, and well, particularly his mom, but his sort of whole family is the financial abuse. Yeah, and. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you a bit about what that looks like. And also, there's some stuff about the Japanese context that I th I think is slightly different than yeah. sort of the American or the Korean context. And I wanted to ask you a bit about that. Yeah, definitely. 
So uh, across the board, uh, Unification Church members are expected to bring in a lot of money through fundraising, through tithing, uh, providing free labor uh, or, you know, low paid labor uh, through church businesses and stuff. Um, so the cases, though, that in Japan, because of the rhetoric of the church, which is, you know, basically born out of, uh, you know, the uh, environment um, in Korea. Uh, so there's basically this thought in the church that they say uh, that Korea is the Adam nation uh, because that's where, uh, you know, the Messiah came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, South Korea, and um, and that Japan is the Eve nation supposed to submit to the Adam nation, um, and also sort of pay indemnity, which is a big word in the church, and uh, for the atrocities committed during the Japanese occupation of Korea. Um, and so this means that Japanese members have to pay significantly more for pretty much everything. Um, so there's, it's like just, uh, you know, like instead of like a, re- a type of reparations where it's like, you know, we'll give you money. It's like they make them suffer for uh, that fact. And uh, so like, you know, fundraising goals are very high. Um, let me see. I think I had a figure here somewhere. Um, uh yeah, so uh, Japanese membership, they bring in roughly like 70% of the church's income. Uh, so a large amount for, you know, like proportionally not, you know, there are a lot of members in Japan, however, throughout the world that is like proportionally, you know, where most of yeah. it comes from. Um, and then as of several years ago, uh, the Japanese church fundraising goal was uh, 30 billion yen or around 210 million uh, for that year, I believe. So uh, just you know, and so they, they go out selling, uh, ancestor liberation is one thing. Uh, you're supposed to pay, uh, exorbitant fees for your ancestors to go to heaven. Um, it, there was a book called the Chansung Gyeong and that book was extremely expensive. And of course, much more expensive for members in Japan. Um, I think I read a figure where I think I don't remember what year it was and it was not very recent. I think it might've been like 1992 or something uh, or 2002 or something. I'm not sure, but it costs like roughly like 200,000 American dollars to uh, go to the marriage ceremony. The one of the mass weddings that the Moonies do where they, everybody is arranged marriage, <laughs> arranged married. <laughs> um, and so yeah, just like these huge amounts of money uh, directly flowing from the pockets of the membership uh, and anyone they happen to, you know, have give them money uh, into the coffers of the church and, you know, directly on up to like the Moon family who are billionaires. Um, Another thing I'll say here is that uh, they uh, often... Uh, so for people who, that they're trying to fundraise from, uh, they often will target like elderly widows and, uh, people who are, you know, in sort of precarious places and come to them and say, your family member who's passed away wants you to give this donation to the church. Uh, they also like at one point made up like a fake Buddhist sect in order to like specifically target people. So it goes deep. There's a, there's a lot to that. 
Yeah, I mean, like, one of the things I remember reading, though, was, like, the, yeah, they, they had, like, this whole network of, like, fake mediums. Yeah. Who would, like, like specifically to target people, yeah, to target the sort of widows, which is, like, I don't know. I, I just So so much of the stuff that they do is just so incredibly bleak, like, I think. Yeah. I mean, th- the thing that always, that got me was the sort of, like, like, the the, the 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 way in which they're sort of weaponizing like like Japan's sort of war crimes in yeah in South Korea and North Korea as well and it's like it's like a on the one hand like yeah like all, all, a all this money is just going to like a bunch of like two rich fascists and then yeah. b like and I think this is something else we can sort of get into is like okay so. The the church's main political allies in Japan are the people who did all that shit. <laughs> yep. Yep. Like, so yeah. no it's just a constant deflection pretty much. Yeah, and I mean it's interesting too cuz like you, you get you get this like so some of the newspapers they fund will like openly say that like Japan should rearm again and like yeah. Japan should like start retaking Korea and then like yeah, the, the other arm of their business being like, hey, pay us money for all the people you guys killed. And it's just, I don't know. It's. Yeah, it's pretty fucked. <laughs> it's the worst. It's like, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I guess I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think I think this is as good a place as I need to go into. Like, OK, so th- th- the Moody's like could not do the things that they do in Japan without an incredibly large degree of institutional support. Um, part of this is sort of, is with the Yakuza because like you can't run like you, you, you can't do organized crime stuff like attempt, like running an entire network of people to defraud widows like in, in Japan without the Yakuza, like you having some kind of deal with them. Yeah. And yeah. And, and, and that, that also bizarrely ties in with sort of how, how the Unification Church got integrated with the sort of mainstream well yeah you know i'm just gonna call them the mainstream like fuck it people 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 will quibble about the different factions of the ldp uh i frankly don't care for reasons that we'll get to but yeah how 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 they got like in yeah i guess we talked about like the, the origins of how they got ingrained with japan's like perpetual ruling party liberal democratic party Yeah. Um. Oh, sorry. Were you were you asking? Oh, me yeah, to yeah, that? yeah. I mean, oh, I can, okay. I can also, right. I can also so go sorry. into it too, but yeah, no worries. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I, I wasn't sure that was a question. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, it's okay. Um. So yeah, it goes all the way back to uh, like, so it goes it goes back pretty far. So Nobusuke Kishi, uh, Abe's maternal grandfather. Uh, so he uh, initially became sort of embroiled with the UC kind of stuff, uh, Unification Church stuff, uh, in the early days uh, of when the movement um, was in Japan. Uh, he collaborated on stuff like the Foundation for Victory Over Communism, uh, spoke at their uh, the founding of the organization at a UC church, which was, I think, uh, next to Kishi's estate or something like that. Yeah, and I, I, think, uh, I, think, I, think, I think he sold them their first building in Japan. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, I think so if, too. If, if, yeah. if I'm re- remembering something that I read <laughs> um, at one point, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, and then uh, in '62, the UC was able to convert 50 leaders of the ultranationalist uh, Nichiren Buddhist uh, 
sect called sect called oh gosh I don't know how to pronounce this Ryosho Kosei Kai uh, and they had a lot of strong use yakuza connections um, and then uh, Asami Kuboki was the first UC president in Japan. Uh, he was the Yakuza lieutenant and second in command of that group that I had just mentioned. Um, yeah, and and the, the the other thing we should mention about this about the sort of how the Yakuza ties yeah. go is that so okay so Nobusuke Kishi is the guy who founds the liberal Democrat, the liberal Democratic Party right like he the liberal mm-hmm. Democratic Party is his creation it is, is the, like what what that party is is all of Japan's conservatives basically like. Basically, ceding to his authority and being like, "Okay, fine, we're going to follow your lead." Um, and his his party is like his base and his funding is basically a combination of like I mean, he he like Kishi himself is is a, a like arch World War II war criminal. Um, his his base is basically in the old Japanese fascists. He yeah. is funded by. Like well, partially funded, like funded directly by the CIA. Um, yes. He's also funded by, but the C- the CIA in particular here is working through the Yakuza because one of that's one of the sort of the the will, like Willerby and the sort of like well Willerby's technically not CIA, but yeah, the, basically American intelligence, the American army starts working through the Yakuza as like an anti communist um, yeah. force, and he he gets bankrolled by this these two guys named Kodama and um, Sasakawa, Ryuichi, yeah, Sasakawa, who are yeah. like. Kodama is like like the like mill basically like the guy who is in charge of the yakuza. He's also a fascist. Um, Ryushi Sasakawa is the self self like literally called himself the world's richest fascist. And yep. both of these guys are like huge bankrollers of of Kishi. They are also and you know and when when, when Kishi is like bringing in the church, like th- this this is how this this is how all these people have have yakuza connections because. Yeah, it's it's this the, the the whole sort of Japanese right wing like political machine is like one like happy family that is doing doing the worst stuff all together at the same time, funded by the CIA. Yep. And like, <laughs> and also, I I I need to say this because I, I said this in my episode about Kishi, but like, like the level of CIA involvement here, like there there are individual cia agents assigned to individual liberal democratic party candidates in the 50s to make sure they won their elections i did it, not know that bit that is it's that's, wild yeah wow. <laughs> <laughs> so specific wow like, yeah what? yeah that's, yeah concerning things concerning things <laughs> oh god um, but yeah, so like, yeah, to this day, a lot of LDP candidates and politicians still have ties to the UC, get donations from it, uh, use like membership as like free labor, uh, even like having secretaries uh, from who are members of the UC. And uh, like, you know, sometimes they would, you know, see like some sort of like classified or, you know, uh, information and stuff like that. So there's, yeah, there's like, apart from like, that like just so interconnected yeah do, do, do you remember the story about the the ldp's like number two guy like getting getting moon to be able to visit japan uh sorry i don't oh god okay so the, the my, my memory of this story was okay so like J- J- japan, japan has a series of really weird laws about like i mean okay japan has a series of very weird laws about many many things one of them has to do with it, it's something like if you've been convicted of a felony in another country, you can't enter Japan. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't, I don't know if it's I, okay. I don't know if it's a felony. I don't, I don't know what the I for, I'm forgetting what the legal bar is for what you have to be like convicted of in order to not be able to enter the country. But I uh, like Moon is a I uh, like he 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 like he 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 was like convicted by the U.S. government of like perjury and a bunch of other shit because <laughs> of the crimes that he did, and so he he like technically legally could not enter Japan. And then, like the 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 the, the, the vice president of um, and not vice president, oh my god, I can't remember his title. But basically, like what, like basically, like the 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 like the the like the the the, the, the second most powerful man in Japanese politics in the nineties, like very specifically, did a whole bunch of visa bullshit so that specifically Moon could go to Japan legally. Not surprising, not surprising, but wow. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> um, the lengths people will go to to collaborate with other fascists. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's, that's, I don't know, that's to me what makes this assassination really interesting, is that, like, okay, so if if you ask, like, and even, even, like, in Japan, if you had asked the average person what the connection between like Shinzo Abe and the Unification Church was. Like most people have no idea. Like be- before this assassination, most people had like no idea what that was. Yeah. Yeah. After the assassination, this the whole landscape has changed. Um Yeah, I mean it, 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 it it's it's been really interesting to watch. It's like it, this this really seems like an incredibly sort of politically effective assassination because Yeah. Okay, so you know, you 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 had there was there was you know you had the very the initial right wing backlash, but the right wing backlash kind of it, it it got kind of muted when it when it became clear that it like wasn't a left wing radical, which I think would have actually been an enormous disaster. Yeah, but then but since yeah, the guy was Yamagami was pretty right wing himself. Yeah, it's like he's a right wing guy, and but also like his story is really sympathetic. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I yeah. feel for the guy. Like, yeah. he had so much trauma in his life, honestly. And, like, it's obvious. Like, and I think, you know, a lot of uh, former members, you know, sort of understand how that feels. Uh, now, most of us have been assassinated a prime minister, <laughs> but... <laughs> so far. <laughs> so far. But, yeah, like, I mean we understand that pain of where he is coming from and like, you know, why upon learning that Abe had these ties, he sort of like felt like compelled to do something. Yeah. And and I think the, the I mean, I, the, there's also this element at work here. That's kind of weird, which is like, okay. It, it's very, very hard normally to get like right wing Japanese people to turn on their own party. Uh, the one way that you can do it is by going, Hey, look at these Koreans. So yeah. there's like weird dynamics going on here. Like yeah. there were some, there were some like even further right parties who were like, you know, using this thing as a campaign thing of like, ah, this party is like a fake right wing party. Like they're all being run by like Koreans. And it's like, okay, well, that's like not like the thing that is bad about the Moonies is not that they're Korean. It's that it's all of the other shit that yeah. they do. Yep. Yeah. And I, and I think that's complicated, but also yeah, like the, the 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 political impact this has had has been like enormous. Yes. Like Yeah, do you want to, you want to talk about that a bit? Yeah, so um so okay. 
obviously it has shined a lot of light on sort of the connections that a, a lot of uh, members of the government there have from the LDP um, as well as other parties uh, have with the UC getting donations, et cetera. Um, people are pissed about it, you know, as they should be. Um, so I guess that uh, uh, Prime Minister Kishida uh, had said that they want to cut ties with the Unification Church at this point. Uh, you know, it sort of remains to be seen whether that actually happens or not, because it could yeah. easily just be like lip service kind of shit. Um, but they uh, politicians uh, and I'm not sure if this is specifically for the LDP or sort of across the board. Um, there's like a, a thing where they're supposed to self report any ties or donations to the UC, which is just, you know, like, I don't know, like, I don't think everybody's going to come forward with that sort of yeah, thing. Definitely. If you're supposed to do it yourself, that's like not how that should work. But um, so, I mean, like it, it, it remains to be seen, you know, if those ties are actually going to be cut. Um so also like there has been sort of like uh, a a a lot of support from uh like lawyer groups like the National Network of Lawyers Against Spiritual Sales, um, who has, you know, worked uh with you know cult members and like specifically a lot of Unification Church members or uh former members or whatever who have uh you know lost money uh, through spiritual sales um and they've also just recently called for the dissolution of the uc in japan uh, which is pretty cool and i hope that happens yeah, i don't know how realistic yeah. it is uh given yeah. like all of the strong ties to the government but that would be cool um and then also uh, i saw a thing a couple days ago uh that japanese consulates and embassies have a program oh, yeah, that yeah. is offering advice or assistance uh, to UC members who are Japanese nationals or, and their children. Um, and that ends on September 30th, I think. So if anybody needs that, get in fast. Um, but I think that also applies in America. So if like you are a Japanese national and like a victim of the UC, or if your parents are, uh, they, those that are open. And I don't know exactly what the levels of support uh, or resources they're offering are, uh, but it's worth looking into for sure. Um, but yeah, like, so there's been like sort of this outpouring of support from various groups and there's, you know, like, it's really shining a light on the issue of like, especially what it's like to be a second generation member of a cult and the trauma that people like us have gone through. Um, you know, there are definitely a lot of calls for, like support and mental health care as well as like, you know, ways to sort of get people out of situations like that in the first place. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, 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 I hope this translates into actual resources and stuff. I hope so more too. Than, yeah. Just sort of like the LDPs who ratings tanking. Yeah. Which like right. is good. And like, it is very funny that, Kishida's had to ax like half his cabinet because the ties <laughs> yeah. were like too close. But yep. yeah, I don't know. I I, th I think it it remains. Although yeah. he remains in power and he's oh, got yeah. ties to the UC too. Yep, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you know clearly there's not a lot. Like even if people are like having a little bit of like the smallest level of transparency about this stuff, like it, I I don't necessarily know how far it'll actually go into like you know making amends or like protecting people from further abuse or, you know, getting people their money back. I don't know. I, I, I think there's a 
there's something I think that's that's really sort of I don't know, like really grim about the way that this worked out, which is that the Japanese police knew what was going on and why the assassination had happened like immediately. Mm-hmm. Like they found his hard drive and he'd written out a whole thing about why he did it. Yeah. And then they intentionally held the information and basically main- were able to maintain a press embargo until after the election happened. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, now everyone fucking hates the LDP. Like, the the, the provincial approval rating is like 36%. Like, it's really bad. I mean, it went from like 50, it went from like 52 to like 36 in like a couple of weeks. But because the people who are, people who are connected to the church are the people in charge, they were able to like suppress this information long enough to like, shape how the election was going to go yeah and make sure that it was sort of like the right-wing shock from oh my god this assassinated the prime minister and not right. the wait they assassinated the prime minister for a reason that's like incredibly justified and relatable to like it, th- th- this is as relatable of a motive of assassination as like i've ever seen yeah i mean it's like, like as far as reasons for assassinating people go this is a pretty like solid reason like there's yeah. there's stuff there yeah, and like, and I, th- I think it's just like, like it's, it's interesting. This, like, it's this rare assassination where the assassin is, is, is a very empathetic figure to, like, I, 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 th- I think a lot of the time when you get people doing stuff like this, like, it's there, there, there's a sort of like one to one correlation with like, okay, like how, 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 how do you feel about sort of like. Like how how do you feel about assassination in general is going to like determine your dictate like determine your sort of response to the actual action. Yeah. Whereas I think here it's different because you know like the yeah this 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 is someone who yeah I mean I keep saying that he's sort of like eminently relatable but it's like yeah this this is someone who I don't know has been through just an incredible amount of trauma in a way that's like very easily sort of digestible to like regular people yeah it's like yeah very obvious trauma and like you know yeah i don't know it's and i i i really hope that 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 really does actually translate into resources for mental health resources because i do too i feel like as well as mental health resources i hope there are like you know financial resources and yeah you know yeah. like all sorts of other resources as well because like Dealing with the fallout of, you know, having been in a, like, a cult is incredibly difficult and requires a lot of space and time, and a lot of people are, you know, left with, like, PTSD after that, and it'll last for your whole life, and that makes, you know, for a lot of people, that makes, you know, having, getting money and doing job things extremely hard, especially, you know, if you're, like, getting, like, emotionally, like, thrown back into that all of the time. so I hope there are like more, you know, like material resources that are also available in addition yeah. to uh, in sort of like mental health care and therapy things, because that's something that I feel like is all too often just not there for people who have been through abuse. Yeah, and, and I think also th- there's there's this way in which like. Like a lot of this, like I- insofar as there's any kind of like support network, like in the US and this is also true of Japan to I maybe a sl- I don't know the Japanese welfare state's not great but yeah like there, there's an extent to which like the sort of like last safety net you have is your family 
mm-hmm. and you know like this is this is the kind of thing that can very easily cut you off from your family and that that has you know i mean that that has emotional consequences but like yeah that that has enormous financial consequences that yeah really don't like i don't know it it, it i i when, when i was originally doing research on this like I, I read a lot of sort of like people arguing about like deprogramming stuff and it like mm-hmm. they just didn't talk about like that kind of stuff and it was always just sort of like i don't know it struck me as really weird and a sort of like grotesque and detached way to think about it instead of like yeah so yeah it depends on like what type of care it is too because honestly deprogramming is another cult it is yeah another cult it's like an anti-cult cult and um it just you know it it re-traumatizes those who are already traumatized and honestly like people who have been deprogrammed sometimes leave, but a lot of the time it just increases their fervor for being part of whatever movement they're a part of already. Um, because they're like, oh, if this is, you know, like what everybody's gonna do to me if I leave, like, of course I gotta stick with this. Cause you know, then like, it's like every, what they've been saying the whole time about, you know, be, being persecuted and like hurt and stuff then becomes true, right? Yeah, I guess that's the thing I would say about like, uh, that's my disclaimer about deprogramming. Uh, and though the collective we are a part of is called deprogramming imperialism, that is because the only thing that needs to be deprogrammed really is imperialism and not people, because that's not how that works. Uh, yeah. de-radicalization requires a lot of trust, a lot of time, a lot of space, a lot of reflection. Uh, it's not something that, you know, you can just like go and like lock somebody in a basement for two weeks and then like m- try to make them leave whatever movement they're part like that's that's just abuse yeah i i think like it, i i don't know i I, th- I think it's it's as an industry it's not as sort of like powerful as it used to be but i, I think like yeah. i don't know it it, it it there's 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 a sense in which it's sort of like i don't know it almost it almost has like civil war logic where it's like yeah. both bo- both sides deed the other side as mm-hmm. sort of their like reason to exist yeah and you know so like and, and both you know and both 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 sides are sort of traumatizing people and both sides need like like they're they're, they're they're specifically fighting over the same like group of people and each of them can sort of like offer the other side as like oh hey this is why we need to exist thing but then it's like you know it, it, like at, like as with like most civil wars it's like the actual people caught in it don't it's like no you don't actually need you don't want either side of the civil war you want out yeah yeah no it's definitely it's definitely one of those like oh you're stuck between a rock and a hard place kind of things it's like both options suck like yeah like the two-party system (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) god Stalin Stalin said two good things in his entire two things that were like funny in his entire life one of them was the Pope how many divisions does he have and the second one was they're both worse (laughs) and they're I mean admittedly he was wrong about they're both worse but like yeah that's a that's a that's a real thing that is the basis of all modern politics honestly that is honestly we hate to see hate to see it yeah. Yep. On on the, on the other hand, though, I don't know. Like, eh, I I I I am kind of hopeful about this. Like, it, I am too. It, it it genuinely seems to have like changed, 
like at, at the very least it's, it's changed the way that the Japanese public like sees and understands this whole thing and like this is the first time I think ever that there I mean like you know like the communist party and stuff have been trying for like years to get people to care about this just no one has really cared since like I don't know like basically like, since the Japanese left collapsed in like the 70s like nobody's really cared about this and I don't know it it it, it really seems like something like it really seems like this assassination has actually changed something about just sort of like the the like just the 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 way that ja- the Japanese politics is being structured right now. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm moderately hopeful. I, don't I would know. say I am too. I mean, like the more light that is shed on this, I think the better. And like, unfortunately, weird things happened, but uh, I feel like if there's any chance for some sort of um some sort of you know across the board or even in certain areas just specifically any sort of like uh justice that the amount of public attention on this now is you know potentially something that could help bring something like that about So I, I don't, it's been, it's been like sort of a weird ride for, for us ex-members with all of that, just sort of like re-traumatizing to see everything happen. Um, But at the end of the day, I think a lot of us are hopeful that things can change now that people know about it, because, you know, before that, it wasn't something that was ever really talked about. Groups like this thrive on this sort of weird combination of like operating in the shadows and also when they show up, it's through their own PR stuff. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, sometimes the best way to break that apparently is you shoot someone who was like, (laughs) you you, you, you shoot a guy who who was working for them. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I feel like Yamagami sort of managed to at least you know he he did what he he did a thing and it has had sort of probably some of the impact that he uh imagined it would so i I don't know yeah like honestly like i from from what i've read of his stuff like i i think this went better than he expected it like it could have possibly have gone yeah like he he seemed like really really sort of just like had abandoned all hope yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I like I guess the the other thing that I I really hope out of this comes out of this is that like you don't have to have people like destroying their lives a second time in yeah. sort of like just out of the incredible desperation of what they've been through. Right. Yeah. Preventing any of that would be optimal. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz the you know, the more that the longer the unification church operates the more people will be abused and the more violence will come out of it like maybe this is the most high profile like recent bit of violence that's come out of the movement uh, but it's not unprecedented in any way so you know yeah, it's like and, that's what happens when people are abused yeah and, and i'm and I, th- it's, I think it's also worth just sort of like reminding people that one of the sort of so the church is sort of splintered into various factions. Um, yeah. A lot of the people, well, okay. A Trump, Trump gave a speech at like the, at, at an event of the mainline church. Uh, a bunch of like, so one of the other guys 
Like one, one of the other Splinter factions had a bunch of people at January 6th. So yeah, Rod of Iron Ministries or yeah. uh, Sanctuary Church. And those are those are the guys who had the uh the uh AR15 gun blessing ceremony a few years ago that made the rounds where they wore bullet crowns and their robes and they had the guns and uh they've also got land in in Pennsylvania and Tennessee and also in Waco, Texas where they're basically preparing people for yeah. war with what Sean Moon has described as something akin to the globalist deep state Marxists. Uh, I don't know if those are his exact words, but it was something like that. Uh, so they're, you know, like they're, they have an active militia. They're preparing for war. That is what the rod of iron is for them. That is the gun. Um, yeah. And, and these, these are the, if, if I remember my, my stuff on this, right. The, the, this is the fashion that owns car arms, right? Yes, they do. Yeah. 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 So they have a gun manufacturer now. Okay. Like if Robert were here, Robert would probably start quibbling with me about how good, like the uh, quibbling with me about the actual quality of the weapons they produce. But like, mm-hmm. okay, but they have them. They have they 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 have a weapons manufacturing base, yeah. which is terrifying. Yeah. yeah, and they make the Trump gun because, of course, they're all super pro-Trump. Yeah. Very like patriot. Uh, a lot of QAnon overlap there. And actually, Rod of Iron Ministries uh, in in Japan has been helping organize QAnon events. Um, and yeah, so like there was also an uh, so basically the relationship between Rod of Iron and the mainline UC is super tense. Uh, Sean Moon and a couple of his other brothers basically want their mother dead, and who is she's the you know the head of the mainline church right now, um, and not just dead, but like specifically beheaded. Um, so there was a, an event uh, recently over the summer, I think it was like the end of June, where uh, Sean was, uh, gosh, I forget, I, I forget where he was in Japan. Um, but basically, he was sort of like, railing at the audience for supporting his mother, Hak Jahan. Uh, and then when people spoke up in defense of her, they were literally like physically thrown out of the room. Um, it was yeah. super intense. Yeah, there's there's footage of it. It is. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, it's it's a really in, fucking intense moment. Um, yeah. And he's like there saying she had like sex with a demon or something like that and had fallen and like, all of this, you know, got like, I don't know. I, sometimes I, I watch a bit of the guy's speeches just because I'm like, I want to know what the fuck they're up to. Yeah. Um, and at, first of all. It seems like he might do a lot of cocaine, which would not be unprecedented I mean, given the Moonies and all of their <laughs> drug smuggling and shit. Well, I mean, we we have like, <laughs> what was his name? I uh, oh god, I'm blanking on the name of what what one one of his other sons was like was like literally spending like a shell corporation's uh, like net income amount like per month on cocaine at one point, like. Was that Hyojin possibly? I, I think I think star? it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was Hyojin. Yeah, and he's also an enormous abusive piece of shit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. These people are all well. Okay, that's not true. The the people who are still actively involved in the church and who didn't break themselves out and flee like the first opportunity they got are like enormous pieces of shit. Yeah, I mean, because, like, even at the end of the day, if they're not specifically doing anything that, like, directly harms somebody, they're giving money to these institutions that do and to people who do and giving them support and, you know, reinforcing all of that shit. 
and then you know yeah i mean i, I most I, of them I, are I, just shitty in general too so. yeah like i i, I also like I spe- specifically also about like yeah the the uh, there, there there were a couple of people who like got forcibly married into the family yeah who, like left and i i don't I, I do not want people to get to, to get the impression that i think they're bad because they're not like they got yeah really horrible stuff happened to them they were able to escape right. and that's good but also ev- jesus christ like oh yeah yeah and that's the thing that it's like sometimes hard to talk to like you know childhood friends or my family who's still involved um because i feel like it's like you know if you're supporting this group you're implicitly supporting fascism and yeah. murder and death squads yeah. and rape and all of these awful things um and you know a lot of members don't know that those bits of history about the church um but if anyone who is listening is in the uc i would definitely say to look those things up because they are all over the place yeah uh, okay so specifically yeah a read inside the league by scott and lee anderson uh okay i i i i i i will say this yeah, they're it, it it is kind of hard to read because uh, these people are journalists, they're not normally book authors, and the idea of starting at the beginning of a story and then moving through to the end of it is like an entirely foreign concept to them. So <laughs> it, it is constantly jumping around between sixteen million things, but yeah, there is a lot of there is a lot of very good stuff in there. Yeah. And, it's a an incredible resource. Uh, I would also suggest uh, reading uh, the there's like a uh, a bunch of articles that Robert Parry uh, did from his consortium news about the UC uh, and like stuff back in the day on it. Um, I would also say check out how well do you know your moon? Uh, mm, yeah, that's another great resource has a lot of, uh, you know, like links and direct uh, citations of a bunch of documents and shit. Uh, all good stuff. Uh, also, I would plug uh, John Gorenfeld's book. Um, oh, it's called uh, it's, it's Bad, Bad Moon Rising. Bad Moon Rising. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. John is uh, great. There's... He, yeah, it's it's another really good book on that. Um, yeah, I think there, there, a, a new edition came out like very recently. Yeah. So um, I think he yeah. has it actually a PDF of it or something for free on his website. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then another book I would suggest is uh, Gifts of Deceit about the Tongson Park scandal and yeah. Koreagate. Another good one. God, yeah. <sighs> the, th- the thing about the mood is like, there's just like entire like there's entire genres of like crime that they do that like doesn't even like make most accounts of them because they're doing too much other crime. Yeah, literally, there's just so much crime to. For, there's they've just done so much that it's hard to keep track of everything because yeah, and this, they literally have a million shell corporations and they literally do things under different names and in different places and in different types of atrocities that it's like how are you supposed to keep up with all this that's why they do it that way because you're not supposed to but yeah i mean it is i don't know like i i, I Figuring out how intelligence operations work is like easier than like trying to untangle this shit. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like the that that stuff was you know a little more 
on the nose. It's like, oh yeah, clearly this is like a joint psychological operation and other like, you know, back channels for money and trafficking things and people and stuff. But then it's like, oh God, what company owns what and how much do they make? And like, where do they move their money around? It's just like, yeah. I don't know. That's that side is like, <laughs> how do I navigate this? Yeah. So I, I am extremely fortunate to be a part of a group of people who's working on this stuff now. Um, you know, we're going to what we're going to try to do is sort of make like a Unification Church Wikipedia kind of thing. Uh, so that we have like all of it in one place and then you know potentially down the line maybe do like a people's history of the unification church or something like that yeah Um, but in the meantime we're just compiling a bunch of information yeah are are there ways people can support you and uh, also can support deprogramming imperialism in this the work you all have been doing yeah so i have a patreon uh it's alisa majoub a-l-i-s-a-m-a-h-j-o-u-b uh you can follow me on twitter at Alisa underscore Majub, same spelling. Uh, Deprogramming Imperialism has a Twitter. Uh, it is since Deprogramming Imperialism was not was too long to put in <laughs> as a username. Uh, the one we are using is No More Cults, which is No underscore More underscore Cults. Um, and then we have a Instagram as well under Deprogramming Imperialism, I believe. Let me double check. Yeah, and we will we will put uh links to all this stuff in the show notes yeah awesome cool 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 yeah it's do programming imperialism just just together together words i sorry no, <laughs> my brain good. is just not yeah. working <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. the words are smashed together there's no space that's that's there we go i did it <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, I think I think I think that's going to be all for us today. Um, thank you so so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate this, and hopefully, you yeah. know, this will just have help more people to sort of like understand what's going on there and sort of the history of the UC, and uh, as well as you yeah. know, maybe shine some light on the Abe assassination. And uh, you know, the more people who know about this, the better. I think. Um, so I really appreciate being on here because you guys have a pretty big platform so that means a lot to me yeah and i'm 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 really i'm really really glad that that you came on for this because i don't know like it, it's it's really like it's really easy to like cover stuff like this and just never actually sort of like get to the human like the actual human impact of it yeah because, yeah and so yeah i'm really glad i was able to talk to you Thank you. I yeah, I'm I'm glad I was able to talk to you because that it was fun. It was fun. It was informative, and um, we're getting the word out. We're doing it. We're doing the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Feels good. Yeah. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. On pictures of Alexander Dugan moments after his daughter exploded in a car bomb. Again, I don't have any problems beating puppies. <laughs> oh, no, this isn't recorded. <laughs> Welcome to It Could Happen Here, the podcast where Garrettson Davis is fine with violence against dogs. Yeah, right um, as you said that, Anderson wow. barked, by the wow. way. Wow. Wow. Cancelable. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cancelable. Yeah. Death, deathly allergic to dogs. But they love you so much. So if people were going to pick an assassination method for me, just to t- get a whole dogs. bunch of dog dander and rub it on my pillow, and I'll be dead, with, I'll be dead the next know. morning. I've, se- I've seen you get rubbed on by a bunch of dogs, and you've, you've never died yet. No, I, yeah, yeah, that's true. You get true. uncomfortable and you have to use your inhaler and it's, a, you know, but I don't, I just, I just ignore that. <laughs> you get uncomfortable and you have to use your inhaler. Robert's like, that's great. I'm super thrilled with that outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what other outcome I'm thrilled with? 
Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so great, sick. great intro. Yeah, sick transition. That was great. So we are talking about the assassination of Alexander Dugan's daughter. Hell um, yes. It's it's a it's a it's it's kind of a wild story. There's a lot of weird things going on. We still don't know much about what actually happened. Um, there's a lot of conflicting theories, a lot of experts who are saying different things, quote, quote unquote experts who are yeah. saying different things. Uh, it's, it's wild, but I have a little write up here that we're going to go through based on what I assume everyone's questions will be, uh, about this assassination. Uh, first thing, probably before we, before we get into Alexander Dugan's daughter, I guess it's probably worth clarifying who Alexander Dugan is, because to understand the nature of this assassination and possible motives, it's important to know who he is as a person. So I know we've talked about Dugan on the show before kind of briefly, but uh, Alexander Dugan is a Russian traditionalist, neo-fascist political theorist. Um, some people call him a philosopher. Boy. I think that's being a little generous. That's, that's um, so many fun things in a row in that description. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, born in 1962 into a high-ranking military family. And uh, Dugan spent his early years as an anti-communist dissident in the collapsing Soviet Union. He joined various uh, dissident, ultranationalist, occult, anti-Semitic, and fascist groups or collectives that sprung up during the last uh, two decades of the Soviet Union. Uh, in the 90s, he was one of the founders of the Russian National Bolshevik Party, uh, which he left in the late 90s because the party was not fascist enough. Um, so he, he left the, the political party he helped, he helped start because it, it had too many of the Bolshevik parts of the National Bolshevik Party. Um, he, he kind of carries on some of the traditionalist political philosophy from 20th century esoteric fascist writers like Julius Evola, whose book on pagan imperialism uh, Dugan translated into Russian. Just as a brief bit of context for people, now, you know, it, their fascism and communism are, are portrayed as in strict opposition to each other. But if we're going back to the 20s and 30s, a lot of these guys had a lot of things in common. There were times where the Communist Party of Germany and the Nazis would fight the cops together. Um, there were people in the Nazi party who were more or less national Bolsheviks in terms of their political outlook. Yeah. Um, and they were all murdered on the night of long knives. Like the Nazi party had a left wing that it purged. Anyway, this is just like, this is not coming out of nowhere. This isn't a new development. Well, and the thing with Dugan is that he really is, does carry on that type of red brown alliance idea with a lot of his politics of, of, of bringing together some of the more harder fascists with uh, some people who are more like authoritarian communists. Um, and we, we see that with the National Bolshevik Party. At this point, Dugin is probably most known for his influence on contemporary Russian politics, uh, the neo-Eurasianism ideology, his writing on the multipolar world theory and his fourth political theory about the ascension of Russia as the world's like traditionalist political power um, and usurping the kind of uh, political dominance of the United States. And 
Dugin's neo-Eurasianism is described by Anton Shashekoslav, uh, an Eastern European far-right scholar, as, quote, a form of fascist ideology centered on the idea of revolutionizing the Russian society and building a totalitarian Russian-dominated Eurasian empire that would challenge and eventually defeat its eternal adversary represented by the United States and its Atlanticist allies, thus bringing about a new golden age of global, political, and cultural illiberalism. Uh, unquote. So it's it's very cool. centered in just being against the ideas of liberalism and being yeah. against like globalist liberalism, like actual like globalization. Um, and still c- carrying over a lot of influences from esoteric writers like Julia Savola in terms of like it's anti-modern, anti-liberal yeah. uh, politics based in like traditional anti-multicultural, right? Like this, yeah. this, yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of if you've ever seen someone screaming about like Globo Homo or something, like that's probably <laughs> one of these guys. Yeah, and that that yeah. Dugan's daughter actually, in her last ever interview, talks about that a little bit, and we're about we're, Globo Homo. Yes, no, this is yeah, Glo- uh, like the, like like there's 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 a lot of people in the U.S. who like see this shit and like mistake it for anti-imperialism, and it's yes. like mm-hmm. ba- yeah. basically because like they, they've lost the ability to like conceive of an empire that isn't the u.s britain or france and even that's sort of tenuous and it's like guys like from a lot of these questionable accounts you get the attitude that like well only the united states is capable of being imperialism which is then just then just say you're Mm anti-us just say you're anti the united states because you're not anti-imperialism because Uh, let me tell you something there have been a lot of empires in history (laughs) so controversial statement from robert evans yeah Quite right quite a few different empires over time. Yeah, they are yeah. not all it's America. Perth, probably worth like pointing out that Russia, as it exists, is an empire. Right? It's just a contiguous one. Like, it's it's yes. one that that, uh, it, that is joined by land, not separated by seas. Doesn't stop it being an empire. Yes. As as we can see with them trying to expand into Ukraine, which is heavily influenced itself by some of the theory that Dugan was writing from the nineties up until now. Um, and then kind of in reference to Dugan's influence on contemporary Russian politics, especially since Russia's so far failed invasion of Ukraine, Dugan is often referred to as, quote-unquote, Putin's brain, or, quote-unquote, Putin's <laughs> Rasputin. Um, and while he is certainly oh, very no. well-connected and has... Uh, sorry. And and while he is certainly well connected and has quite a bit of influence in Russia and the global far right movement in general, the degree to which he holds significant power in the decisions that Putin makes is definitely heavily contested among uh, actual political experts. Yes, we think some of the whole Putin's brain and Putin's like Rasputin thing is a little bit overemphasized. Overemphasized sometimes. Dugin's never held office. There's Dugin. The, Dugan's uh, never know, we, we, we don't even have a picture of Dugan and Putin together. Like it, we don't even know if they've actually like been yeah. in the same room. Yeah. We don't know if they're the same yeah. person. If, if okay. you, <laughs> yes, know, Dugan yeah. and Putin are the same person. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Never that's correct, Chris. <laughs> the thing that is important to know about Putin as regards Dugan, because again, as Garrison said, not trying to make a statement here about the degree to like saying that he is or is not any kind of influence, but Vladimir Putin has been doing this, has been working towards the where he is now for decades, and is a guy who has had a view of the world for decades that he's worked yeah. towards mm-hmm. making real. 
Um, and it's not a view of the world that you need to be, Dugan's an esotericist. Like, you do not need to think esoterically to understand what Vladimir Putin is doing. He wants to reunite the Russian imperial project that fell apart when the Soviet Union did, using violence and whatever other means he can do, which is why he's gone, done what he's done in Georgia. Um, it's why he's done doing what he's doing in Ukraine. This is not, like, complicated. Understanding Putin's motivations are, is not hard. You know, I think a lot of people have kind of leaned into that Putin's brain thing, especially since the invasion of Ukraine, because uh, in in Dugan's uh, seminal 1997 book, The Foundations of Geopolitics, Dugan lays out his vision to divide the world up and calling for Russia to rebuild its influence through annexations and alliances, while all in uh, heavy opposition to Ukraine as a sovereign state. And a lot of Dugan's writing has been about trying to reconquer Ukraine and absorb it into Russia. Um, yeah, and, and he's I, a useful guy, but the, yeah, again, sorry. I don't and know. and like the the, the 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 in an article from a, the from the Guardian that I was that was uh, using for it's well, one of the sources for this episode. They they claim that the foundations of geopolitics was a very popular book uh, in the Russian General Staff Academy, um, and kind of was was one of the things that shifted Dugan from like a weird esoteric dissident to actually becoming a more influential and prominent pillar of the conservative establishment inside Russia. Um, as, as Dugan's writing evolved, started to emphasize less the more esoteric elements, um, his, his writing did, did get more popular in Russia. Um, but at this point, he is stronger as a symbol, uh, less so than having actual personal influence over decision-making. Yeah. You know what does have influence over your decision-making? <sighs> they have influence over your decision-making. You're... you're uh... The, subli- the subliminal messages that we've been placing inside our ads for the past three years mm-hmm. um, that leads that that has been an esoteric project of, of, of my design to, to influence you to buy these products and services. That's right, James. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying yeah. to I think we have a couple of different esoteric projects. I'm not sure what y'all <laughs> says. I'm trying to get people to bring the Subaru Baja back. That was the Subaru <laughs> car oh, that had like a little truck yeah. bed in the back. Yeah, it was um, the Subaru car. Oh, truck. my God. Oh. What a what? fuck. Can, yeah, yeah. I was going to combine. Speaking car and of truck like into one word, but I realized where that was taking me, and I stopped immediately. No, it is. It is a cuck. cuck. Yeah, it is a cuck. Yeah, it's, it's my it's, second favorite cuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why don't they call it the Subaru Cuck? And I would buy one immediately. Yeah. The Subaru Cuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please buy. Um, please buy a Subaru Cuck. Enjoy these adverts. And we're back. All right. We sure so. Are. Let's. I think it's now actually time to talk about the uh, the actual casualty in this assassination, uh, which is not Alexander <laughs> Dugan. It is instead Daria Dugina. Um, uh, Daria Dedgina, more like it. Yes. She's, so she's she was she, she was she was born on uh, December fifteenth, nineteen ninety two. Wow. Um, Daria herself was a Russian journalist and far right activist. Who was very vocal in support Let's of the put journalist of in Ukraine. quotes there? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, she 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 did work for a number of journalists out, of, of journalism outlets, not only in Russia, including in France. Like she 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 did she was a journalist. Um, she did work. It wasn't very good. She's okay. a bad person. Okay. Um, but she worked okay. for a few French outlets. Sure. Um, she was very vocal in support of the invasion of Ukraine in accordance with her father's political theories. Uh, she studied at the Moscow State University, specializing in the political philosophy of late Neoplatonism. 
So you already yeah. know she's going to be oh, really annoying. Yeah. If, um, anyone, if yeah. anyone even tries to describe yeah. that degree program to me, I might hit them. Like, absolutely yeah. no. Yeah, we've, we, 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 we have in that one sentence alone laid out justification for assassination. Okay, yeah, well, I, yeah, oh, yeah. okay, come Violent on. Yeah. I, 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 nope. think, I think that's a bit too far. I, not, I, I, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yeah, right now, yeah. I bought property with land so that when people say the word Neoplatonism around me, I can get rid of the body. So yeah. um, here's some fun facts about, uh, about Daria. Um, she played the flute. Um, she oh, was nice. she was in her she, she was that's in a nice. band yeah. I th- I think in college uh, called Dyson May Refuse, uh, which was an electronic music band. Now, um, uh, oh, Dyson, I, I bet her shit did actually rock. It probably did slap. Um, I mean, like, and this and this was when she was less of a fascist, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Now, uh, just in terms of something that kind of <laughs> an interesting note here. Uh, so, Dyson uh, translates to uh, here being. Which was which is one of uh, Alexander Dugan's favorite favorite terms. It's it's related to the philosophical concepts uh, exposed by Martin Heidegger. Exposed. Um, yes. Uh, <sighs> so it's it's just a little nerdy reference to both her father. I guess uh, she was probably exposed to the phrase via her father, but it's a Heidegger reference. So so she named uh, her electronic oh, music right. band off of yeah. off of Heidegger. If you're in a band, she has to kill her ghost now, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. If you're in a band with a Heidegger reference, leave that band now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. but yeah, when she when she was in the university. Her friends say she actually she actually wasn't really into her dad or her dad's politics. Um, her her friends talk about that when she when she was in university she really liked um, uh, Guy Debord. Um, she, she was interested oh, in some of the more situationist. French... Yeah, yeah. It's like Guy she was Debord, inter- uh, just just yeah. quickly is like a lot of popular stuff on the left now. Shit like uh, crime think, but also stuff like. Um, Adbusters is influenced by Guy Debord. Yeah, yeah. I mean, also like the the the, the French Revolution in eighteen in uh, uh, 19, 19, 1968. Yeah. Why was it eighteen forty eight? Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I was Time trying to Guy Guy Debord was arrived for hundred and twenty years. <laughs> yeah, and never but, aged. Uh, he was also, I will say, this is a thing a lot of people don't know about Debord was influential in the development of war games and and is part oh, of yeah, the intellectual yeah. tradition yeah. that gave us Warhammer forty thousand. That that yeah. that actually makes a lot Please. of sense. His, his game it is makes sick. It, it it makes yeah. complete sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but yeah. So she was she was into stuff like that inside like university. Situationism. Huh. Um, yeah. And, was she a situationist? Yeah. No. I I I, I don't. Well, she must I don't, have been. I don't, if she likes. I don't think board, she right? descri- gets- I don't think she would have described herself as that. Okay. Um, but that was the types of stuff that she liked talking about, and that was the types of groups that she was involved with. She she never talked about her father, and her father was already a very popular um, person at this time, specifically inside Russian universities. But she she was she did not drive with that type of stuff. Um, and then by by the end of her kind of time in university, she started shifting more towards what her friends describe as orthodoxy. Um, I would say is like she shifted more towards her father's traditionalist stuff. I'm not uh, sure what exactly caused this shift to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's a, a quote from one of her friends, quote, it, it was strange because before that she not shown any interest in him and her father had no influence on her. Um, and it, that is that strange. Sh- it's so, yeah, so something by the, by the end, she, by the, by the end of her time in university and she got, and by the time she was out of university, 
Um, she actually just became an activist with the international Eurasianism movement of Dugan and began to arrange lectures for her father and uh, became a very active supporter of his. And then uh, after that, she started writing for state-run news outlets like RT and running parts of her father's website, where she was then listed as his press secretary and started to appear at the events of the uh, Eurasian movement as a speaker as well. So she she shifted in like the last like probably 10, 15 years, yeah, past like 10 years, she was shifting more towards her father, even though when she was in her 20s, she was more into some of the French I mean, leftist stuff. That doesn't surprise, number one, it's pretty normal for young people to rebel against their parents in that era yeah. and like yeah. be interested in stuff outside of it. And like, I think there's a couple of different ways this could have gone, but a thing that makes total sense to me is that she's rebellious, she explores some things, the primary thing she learns is that life out there is hard and like making a living on your own and completely invent <laughs> like is difficult. Yep. And her dad has a lot of influence and she can make a lot of money working for him. And so back back she goes. Yep. I don't I, know. I, I don't know the woman. She lost she lost a lot of her friends over this because yeah. when she started doing stuff with her dad, her friends who were like situations people are like no, fuck that. We're not going to yeah. hang out with you. If you're yeah. Like, yeah. It's, <laughs> it seems like a response. Yeah, it's 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 kind of actually a bummer. Like I I, I only yeah. I only I only got to this part of her life um, a few days ago when I was doing the research, and this is actually this is something I stumbled upon later in, into my research for this episode because I was I was mostly I was mainly fo focused on like the actual assassination part. Um, and I, when I found this, I was like, oh, that's actually kind of sad. Yeah, that um, is sad. Yeah, I, I will say I I don't know if this is at work here, but the, there is a thing. In like there is a current in the French alternate left, like after sixty-eight, like going into the seventies and eighties, that gets like really fucking weird and kind of goes fascist based around it, it it's it's a long story. There there's there, there's a whole thing about a guy who was like sort of involved in the, in the ultra left circles who was like I I, th I think he'd been in uh he'd been in a concentration camp, but he'd been in one of the ones that like wasn't an extermination camp and he started doing like Holocaust denial. And there's like this whole fucking thing where like a bunch of these people oh, like great. kind of went really like went really fucking weird. The, the rest of the people like the rest of the ultra left disowned them and like they like yeah. were kind of involved in a bunch of the sort of like the like founding the French neo fascism. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's again, not like yeah, it's not yeah. it's not a path that like has never happened before. Yeah, that's but, not coming really out of nowhere. No, especially yeah. when your father is who he is. Yeah. That's not yeah. that's not surprising. Yeah. So when she started, so yeah, in, in, in the past few years, she started acting as her father's press secretary, scheduling uh, events for him. She was doing, she was doing more uh, writing on her own um, in various outlets, including state-run outlets, but also outlets in other countries. Um, but definitely shifting more towards the kind of traditionalist Eurasianism um, side of politics. Uh, earlier this year, she was sanctioned by both U.S. and U.K. authorities who uh, un under under accusations that she was con significantly contributing to online disinformation around Russia's invasion. Um, and in an interview just a few months before her death, uh, Daria expressed pride that both she and her father had been targeted by Western sanctions. They kind of she kind of wore it as like a, as like a badge of honor. Um, anti-imperialism. <laughs> in its filing, the UK Office of Financial Sanctions called Dugina a, a, a frequent, high-profile contributor of disinformation in relation to Ukraine and the Russia invasion of Ukraine on various online platforms. Cool. And to, to, to get a sense of how she actually politically described herself uh, in the months before her death, 
in an interview from May of 2022. She described herself as, quote, a political observer of the international Eurasianist movement and an expert in international relations. My field of activity is in the analysis of European politics and geopolitics. Okay. In this capacity, I appear on Russian, Pakistani, Turkish, Chinese, and Indian television channels presenting a multipolar worldview of political processes. For me, a particularly important issue is the development of the multipolar world theory. It is clear that the globalist movement is over and the end of liberalism has come. The end of liberal history. Unquote. So oh, wow. and, and backwards Fukuyama. And guess and guess what she thinks is gonna replace liberal history? It's, yeah, it's, it's, I have I have some theories. It's Orthodox traditionalist Russian fascism. Yeah. Um, she in that same interview she described the war in Ukraine as quote a clash between globalist and Eurasian civilization. Unquote. Oh, I'll let I'll let my friends in Kiev know what they are. That's great. <laughs> yeah. They'll be excited by that. Yeah, yeah. It, it is it, it is one of the things that's been sort of interesting to me about this whole thing is like, okay, so Dugin sort of comes out of like like russian national bolshevism to some extent right but then like if, if you look at the propaganda about ukraine it's like okay these people are all these people are all nazis but like also they're communists and also they're gay and it's like yes well that that's the thing is like you know do people like dugin and dugina while being absolutely fascists can can pretend to be against nazis for various reasons um dugina definitely uh, is and and dugin as well are are, are pretty homophobic um and yeah. they they view gayness as a sign of like degenerate liberalism so like but like they definitely walk that line between the like but you know the, and that's the thing a lot of the like red brown alliance or national bolshevik type things do is walk that line and how they how they try to present their you know cultural beliefs which are heavily based in traditionalism versus their uh versus their beliefs on like fascism and communism um but anyway we uh let's see and in in her last ever interview um, which took place on the day of her death. Um, Dugina said that, quote, Western Just totalitarian- like Biggie, by the way. I don't know who that is. <laughs> oh, my God. No, oh, no. God damn it. Ah, why Garrison. Must you just- God damn it. Ah, <laughs> we need to stop. Everyone yeah. needs to stop. <laughs> All right, we're doing a Biggie episode yeah. next. Garrison, yeah. Garrison uh -huh. you have your homework for this week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. yeah. Please don't come back next mm -hmm. week and do better. So in, in, in her last ever interview, she said that, quote, Western totalitarianism has come to an end and a special military operation is, it seems to me, the, the last nail in the coffin of this world hegemon. Um, and then later on in the interview, she talked about how environmentalism, support for transgender people, quote, the conversion of a person into a homosexual, unquote, as well as oh veganism and freeganism are <sighs> tools with which the West is trying to fragment society and reduce its yes. population. Yeah. Freeganism. My, my friends who dumpster dived so <laughs> yeah. they could buy more drugs 15 years ago were <laughs> yeah. part of a conspiracy to fragment society. Yeah, yeah. It's not that cocaine was expensive and the, the fucking Trader Joe's didn't lock its dumpster. It's that, okay, Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, th so wow. those 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 were the views that she espoused hours before dying. So 
Well, <laughs> talking about the conversion of a person into a homosexual, transgender people, freeganism as being the things that are destroying the West. Right, yeah. To be clear, all of these things are based and should, in fact, destroy the West. But, yeah, if the if the thing yeah. that finally kills capitalism <laughs> is dumpster diving teens, I will be thrilled. But I yeah. I, I just don't see it happening. Uh, <laughs> so before we get to the actual deed, let's set the stage for where this uh, this event took place and where everything went down. So it's August twentieth, a Saturday. Uh, Alexander Dugan and uh, Daria Dugina are attending this festival just outside of Moscow where Dugan's making a planned appearance at. Um, and he gave a lecture that Saturday evening at this festival. Now, the, the festival is called the Tradition, quote-unquote. Tradition oh, is, is, is what, is what every, every, everything calls it. So I wonder what the festival is about, huh? I'm sure it's, it's just yeah. appreciation yeah. Of, of the headline song from the play Fiddler on the Roof. So, as best <laughs> sung by Zero Mostel. Look it up. Seriously, oh, look oh, it up. It's, it's an incredible performance. <laughs> That must have been it, right? Mm-hmm. So the Tradition Festival is billed as, quote, a patriotic cultural festival and family event for art, literature, and music lovers. Mm-mm. No mm-hmm. dance. No traditional mm-hmm. dance. This is the Great. lamest That's... thing I've ever heard. So yeah. it's yeah. basically, it, it's it's this traditionalist kind of quasi-fascist like art festival for people who like Neoplatonism um, is what it actually is. Um it it takes place in Zarkovo uh, Manor. It's this it's this big estate about twelve miles away from Moscow. Um, the tradition festival is supported by the Presidential Fund for Cultural Initiatives, the Ministry of Culture and Tourism for the Moscow region, uh, among a few other kind of sponsors. And both uh, Daria and uh, her father were special guests at this year's festival. Um, in an interview. A colleague of Dugina's said that the the conversation topics at the festival uh, between Dugan, his daughter, and other tradition festival attendees um, they they said they said this in an interview quote We talked about the Russian idea, the empire, and the cultural war unquote. So that's just like the regular conversations you're having at this yeah. festival to give you a sense of like what this thing actually is. Um, mm-hmm. And the blast that eventually, that did kill uh, 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 Dugan's daughter uh, uh, happened shortly after Dugina left the Tradition Festival um, at the estate where her father had given a lecture just hours previous. Um, do you know who? Do you know who won't blow up? And I don't. I don't want to say that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah. We <laughs> actually look. I'm gonna say right now. If you are planning to assassinate a member of the Dugan family and want spot to sponsor our podcast, we're on board. I think we're fine with that. Actually, yeah, yeah. there's a yeah. discounted tier for those. Yeah, people. yeah. Actually, yeah. we'll do it for free. Just give mm-hmm. us a name because like, we are you... freegans and we're yeah. uh, tearing down society. This is this is part of our radical freegan identity. Uh, this is this is. This is what I'm going to do in between stealing old pumpkin spice coffee from the Trader Joe's dumpster. Unbelievable! I'm I I will do a <laughs> I will do a traditionalism to because <laughs> pumpkin spice coffee is destroying the West. We have to kill yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Robert Robert and Daniel fucking love the pumpkin spice. It's amazing. It's, it's, de- it's destroying. It's disgusting. It's, 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 it's not This for is me. De- degenerate liberalism in the form of pumpkin spice coffee has I to end. I do not enjoy it in any way, shape, or form. No. 
I don't want to yuck your yum. I, I'm happy Here's that Robert ad. enjoys his Thank coffee. you. Thank you. Thank you for I being like a friend. I would like to yuck your yum, Robert. <laughs> oh, my no. God. Well, <laughs> Here's an ad break. You know what? Yes. We are, we are back. Um, I'm going to open up with a quote from... Um, oh, I love quotes. From the from, bomb. Boom. I, I don't know who that... I don't know what that is. Oh, the bomb? The bomb, yes. the blue hurried, yeah. <laughs> Kablooey, yeah. yeah. That's, that's yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> Mr. Bomb, when you exploded, what's going through your head then? We what actually, are you thinking yeah, about? Yeah. Parts of Daria Dugina. <laughs> we actually... <laughs> uh, great. But no, to, to actually... No, no, perfect. Yeah, we're finishing Assassination Week. To, we actually, to, to actually justify some of our kind of glee at this happening, because Dugan's mm-hmm. a horrible person. I'm, I'm and gonna so read is a, his daughter. They're both trash. Yeah, yes, fuck them. Yeah. I am going to read a quote from uh, Pyotr uh, Sauer in The Guardian. Quote, On Saturday night, the violence that the ultra-nationalist Russian thinker Alexander Dugin has propagandized for decades suddenly entered his own life when his daughter was killed in a car bomb mm-hmm. on the outskirts of Moscow. Love to and see it. I think that's a really important thing. That like He's made his entire career off mm-hmm. of doing violence on other people and and promoting uh, yeah. like, genocides on people yeah. that he doesn't like. There, there are and, people I know who are dead because of the war that he and his daughter urged to happen. So yeah, yeah, like yeah. It, it's 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 the same thing as like when every single fucking neocon ghoul dies. Like no one should no one should, should no one should feel bad about them at all because no. they spent they dedicated their entire like, lives to having another country be invaded and having all these people killed, their lives destroyed. So fuck them. But yeah, no, the, yeah, the violence the violence that he's fetishized and and propagandized for decades has has actually entered his life for like the yeah. first time now. And um, that's funny. <sighs> so after giving a talk at the festival, Dugan and his daughter were due to leave the venue together in the same car. If only. Dun, dun, but, dun. but at the last minute. Dugan decided to travel separately and take different vehicles. He was tipped to, off by the CIA. A, according to a friend of <laughs> the family. Now, because at the last minute he did decide to, to take an, an, another vehicle, this actually has spawned a lot of conspiracy theories, um, yes. which we'll kind of get into in a bit later. But, but this, this is what happened, is that they were, they were, they were going to leave together, and at the last minute they decided to take separate vehicles. Um, five minutes later, while Dugino was driving a Toyota Land Cruiser on the highway. Oh, see, now that makes that's, that's a, a little bit of a tragedy. <laughs> that is Those, a tragedy. That, that's a fine car. It didn't deserve mm-hmm. to end that way. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Robert, God, why, so, couldn't it, why couldn't it have been a Ford? Robert, some, <laughs> yeah. sometimes sacrifices are necessary for the cause. Yeah, yeah but Critic, this is... I'm going to put that Mark. Land Cruiser on a flag. <laughs> let's, put, let's, let, let's all pour one out for comrade Toyota Land Cruiser. You, oh, you served yeah. us well. <laughs> you made the ultimate sacrifice. <laughs> so that mankind might be free to go off-roading. So as, 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 as she was driving this Toyota Land Cruiser on the highway, a bomb exploded in her car, killing her immediately and sadly ripping the vehicle apart. Um, witnesses say debris ah. was thrown all over the road as the Toyota Land Cruiser immediately lost control and crashed into a fence and engulfed in flames. Uh, was, was anyone else hurt? Sweet. No. <laughs> There's Incredible stuff. Yeah. All the, the, I mean, a really a solid assassination. No yeah. Honestly. Yeah. It's, it is, yeah. it's one of the better executed ones, especially, yeah. for, a car, especially for a car yeah, bomb. Yeah, for a car bomb. Those it's, like, like, yeah. Like, yeah. it's one of the most impressive car bomb attacks that has ever happened. Yeah. yeah. I think recently seen a car bomb, that's... Uh, 
Yeah. yeah. That, now <laughs> that <laughs> card bomb, that car bomb killed nobody, but yeah, that was yeah, quite a car yeah. bomb. It, it was a big boom. We thought that fucker was an airstrike at first. Yes, <laughs> yes that was a large car bomb. So mm-hmm. uh, um, eyewitnesses called the fire brigade, but by the time they arrived, the entire car was up in flames and firefighters only found one badly burnt corpse in the remains of the vehicle. So investigators say an explosive device planted under the car went off and the vehicle caught fire. This happened uh, about 12 miles west of, of uh, Moscow on in, in the village uh, near the village of oh boy. You don't need to try that. Nobody needs Bolshire to know. Bolshire Valzemi. Okay. Valzemi. Near near the village of Bolshire Valzemi. Uh, At around 9.30 p.m. local time. Investigators do believe the bombing was, quote, premeditated and... Oh, really? uh, Really? (laughs) Wasn't one of those casual spur-of-the-moment guys just walking down the street with a bomb, (laughs) see Stugina driving around? Hmm... Yeah, why not? But you didn't buy the like, explosive edition. It wasn't a it wasn't a vehicle error. This was a bomb. Yeah, there was yeah, a yeah, bomb yeah. planted Land under. Won't let you down like yes. that. No, no, if absolutely it had been not. A, a Ford or a Chevy, a Pinto. Sure, yeah. If, so, a, if if a fucking F one fifty goes up like that, I'm blaming Ford. But no, this must yeah, have been yeah. a bombing. So the the bomb was placed under the car on the driver's side. Now a friend of the family named uh, Andre Krasnov, uh, who's also the head of the uh, Russia Horizon social movement, um, conf- was the, one of the first ones to conf- confirm the reports of, uh, of Daria's death, and, but also said that the bomb could have actually been intended for her father. And he gave sure. this quote to media, quote, This was the father's vehicle. Daria was driving another car, but she took his car today, while Alexander went in a different way. He returned. Uh, he was at the site of the tragedy. As far as I understand, Alexander, or probably them together, were the target. Unquote. Now, this is this is just speculation, actually. Um, yeah. From what I can tell, there is actually more evidence suggesting the car was indeed registered to Daria Dugina. I, I, we, I, I don't believe it is uh, her father's car. Uh, we there was uh, some of the vehicle re- registration was leaked by a Russian opposition uh, uh, news news site like a news site in in Russia who is not state funded uh, leaked the car re- registration it was registered to Daria not her not not Alexander Dugan um, so but it it is very likely that Dugan may have been a target as well like very extremely likely. Uh, it's, it's hard, it's, it's hard to say. Uh, now in one of the funniest parts of the assassination, uh, footage posted on Telegram appears to show Mr. Dugan walking up to the site of the crash and <laughs> in shock with his, with his mouth just gaping open and hands on his head, like he's in like this surprise it's so meme funny. face. It's so one of the good. funniest things I've <laughs> ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> He's walking up to the side of the crash, like, oh, it's very. I, th- th- that is that is the that's the sound of the face he's making is. Oh. Um, we we love to see a wizard in distress. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, sad um, wizard. So the attack happened on Saturday, and then come Monday, the Federal Security Service or the uh, the FSB. Uh, said that the murder has been solved. 
come come mon- come the next Monday. And this <laughs> is this is not wow. true. <laughs> this is what we call a lie. Uh, huh. From the FSB. So, yeah, yes. that's that's really an, disappointing. An untruth. Yeah, that's wow. <laughs> from, from the Russian FBI. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Look, no intelligence service has ever told a lie. Uh, yeah. Then not oh, make That's it. disappointing. So yeah. so yes, really a, a, according according to according to the F, the FSB, uh, the the attack was masterminded by the Ukrainian secret services. And oh ca- wow! Depended and, on them and carried out by an Azov Ukrainian national named <laughs> <laughs> named, <laughs> named uh, Natalia uh, Volk, um, who fled. Oh, Volk! To- wow! What? Last name yeah, yeah. Volk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, we're uh, we're uh, we're pitting yeah. the crime on Johnny Racist. <laughs> Yeah. So, Keith hit the fan, did it again. <laughs> Who fled to Estonia? Uh, Estonia. Estonia. That's Estonia. Yeah. Estonia following the killing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Russia, Russia's FBS did a very brief investigation. FSB. And cla- yes, sorry. Um, <laughs> R- Rus- Russia's FSB did a very brief investigation, claimed that it was this uh, female Ukrainian citizen, um, and that, and that uh, she fled the next day, which was Sunday. Uh, Ukraine says, uh, nah, uh-uh, not really. Nah, um, yeah, that is, I mean, basically you the do, statements you, that, that Ukraine has made. Uh, I, so, yeah, Ukraine's really I, good I, at that noise, actually. It's one of those things, I, I would not be surprised, obviously, if Ukraine did it, and they have the people responsible, or some of their network are still in country, of course you, you make a, a denial, but if Ukraine did it and they were out of the country, I can't imagine why they wouldn't be like, "Yeah, man, we fucking did it." <laughs> yeah, no. So <laughs> they, we're, we're at war. Yeah. I'll I'll read the actual statement. So a Ukrainian official dismissed the accusations of Ukraine's involvement in the incident. Uh, "Quote: Ukraine, of course, has has nothing to do with this because we are not a criminal state, which is the Russian Federation, and even less a terrorist state," said. Uh, Mykelio Podialak, uh, who is an advisor to President uh, Zelensky. So, <sighs> yeah, so I mean, maybe y- Ukraine obviously denies involvement in this. Um, There's a bunch of people. It could be, could be Ukraine, could be the CIA, could be Ukraine and the CIA, could be the FSB uh, or the GRU. A, a, a lot of a lot of people have a lot of people have theorized yeah. all of those things. Yeah, um, there's really I, no way to know. I, yeah, a lot of people been, could have yeah. done this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, are we uh, are we going to get into the person who detonated the bomb or like the car they used? We don't. We behind? don't. We don't know what actually happened. I, I'm going to get to some of this a bit later, but some of the actual mechanisms that caused it to happen are still unclear because the because the FSB is not like given us any definitive evidence on how <laughs> this thing actually worked. But the head of the uh, the Donetsk People's Republic. They they issued their own statement on Telegram saying, "Vile villains, the terrorists of the <laughs> scoundrels." Oh, so they're just they're just doing a Cobra Commander. That's awesome. You know what? Vile no. villains, the terrorists I, 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 of the Ukrainian regime, kind of trying to eliminate Alexander Dugin, blew up his daughter in a car. We cherish the memory of Daria. She is a real Russian. Girl, that's uh, their statement. What? I do. I love yeah, that they had in a car. Girl. As if that makes it worse. That like if they'd blown her up some other way, it would it would not have been as vile. But I, in a car, I, I just love that they ended with she was a real Russian girl. Yeah. 
Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like Pinocchio, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very funny. So yeah. some some politicians and experts, quote unquote experts, have said that Putin himself may have orchestrated the bombing with little to no evidence uh, in support of that theory. There was a British member of parliament said that Putin may have targeted Dugan over recent criticisms made against his government, which I find to be very uh, yeah, I, fishy. They, um, Putin's gotten rid of a shitload of guys who used to be close to him lately, and he didn't use car bombs for yeah, any Yeah, he pushed them out yeah. windows. Yeah, like, they, they yeah, commit he, suicide. They get sick, you know? It's, uh, yeah. A lot of uh, uh, many historians or like, um, you know, extremism kind of researchers are definitely kind of eyeing up the the FSB. Um, sure. It's you know, it's but it's it's really it's it's really unclear. Uh, there, there was um, uh, people proposed that like this this attack was orchestrated to kind of create a wave of needed anger in Russia six months into their mm. failed invasion. Yeah. How'd that work for them? Ruslan Atrad, a security researcher in the in the U.S. think tank Atlantic Council, proposed that uh, the the uh, the FSB uh, and or, or or other Russian state kind of apparatuses could have been involved, saying that it's evident that the that the murder of Dugina created a wave of needed anger in Russia, and that quote Dugin is now mostly a symbol, not an instrument for the state. His yeah. role in the creation of current Kremlin mythology for Eurasia and the so-called Russian world has already ended and he and he can be sacrificed currently the russian army needs victories and a patriotic flame so they're kind of he's I proposing mean, that he was it was like the, this like symbolic sacrifice that like if we sacrifice this figure that means this thing people will be willing to like keep on fighting the Ukrainians literally have literally bombed and struck inside Russia at this point and killed 50,000 plus of their children. You would think that would be enough to make the Russians angry. Like blowing up this weirdo's daughter isn't going to be the thing that galvanizes the nation. Well, to, yeah. to, to be clear, though, this is the kind of dumb shit the Atlantic Council would be advocating yeah, that, for. It, yes, it is absolutely yeah. stupid absolutely. Atlantic Council shit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And now, yeah. One, of the, one of the funnier explanations... That or theories being posited is by former Russian state deputy uh, Ilya Ponomarov, um, who is now uh, in, in, in so in an appearance on his Russian language opposition TV channel in Kiev, alleged that uh, that Dugino was killed by Russian partisans from a previously unknown anti-Putin terrorist group dubbed the National Republican Army, and that both Dugin and his daughter were targets. And according to this guy, the group authorized him to issue their manifesto via his Telegram channel. Uh-huh. Um, ah. And this group is entirely made up. This is not real. <laughs> this is... This is like this, like this, like this, like former Russians. This, this is like this, this, this former Russian official turned this like Ukrainian lib guy who claims that it's this secret anti-Putin liberal terrorist group. No, that contacted him and and no. secret. This, this was this was their first ever attack. Yeah. That's yeah. that, that and they're they're going public yeah. as this new terrorist group. And I'm absolutely gonna, I'm gonna... not. I'm going to say this is the only one of these theories that is abs- that that I don't believe. Like the, the 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 this assassination is a lot like what happened to Epstein where everyone who brings up a theory has some other reason for having that theory and so I don't trust anything anyone says about it. But every theory yeah. about why he might how he might have died is plausible, right? Like every all of these are plausible. Yeah, might like I don't list, I don't care what the Atlantic Council has to say, but yeah, it could have been the FS, FSB. I don't care about 
like what the Russian government has to say, but yeah, it could have been the Ukrainians, but definitely was not liberal terrorist groups first bombing. <laughs> no, yeah, like this is this is the thing. Like that. What, what, no. one of one of one of the like the, the like the single thing where like you can instantly tell that someone is lying about what happened in a bombing is when they say a, pr- a previously unknown group. Like yes. every single it is time. this happens yeah. constantly. It's so it's, hard to bomb things. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like uh, so, um, Sergey like, Samleny is a German political uh, expert with particular focus on Russia and Eastern Europe. Yeah, he's definitely has made a lot of statements talking <laughs> about how Kremlin's version of events is definitely, uh, he says, totally fake and absolutely out of the scale of possibility in terms of bl- blaming it on this this one Ukrainian uh, Azov <laughs> fighter who infiltrated Russia. Yeah. Um, and well, <laughs> well, so the, the, the FSB has produced, quote unquote, evidence to, to, in support of this theory. Uh, saying that this Ukrainian citizen who arrived in Russia in July with her daughter rented an apartment in the same building as Dugina's and yeah. spied on her. Easy time in the months- to enter Russia as a Ukrainian, by the way. July yeah. of this year. Yes. Yeah. With, your Josh- child. With, with your child. With your child. Rented an apartment in the same building as Dugin's daughter. So specifically uh-huh. as Dugin's daughter. Mm-hmm. And spied yeah. on her in like the month before the killing. Um, yep, the the sure. FSB released a, a purported passport photo of the Ukrainian citizen, as well as a footage that allegedly showed her in Russia, with many people, including Ukrainian officials and kind of data analysts and like disinformation researchers, pointing out the various ways that the, that the document seems forged or digitally fabricated. <laughs> um, and uh, Samlani also says that this national Republican army group is completely made up uh, because like, there's, there's, no, there's no way that there could be a, a terrorist group like this. It was like an actual group active that's not infiltrated by the by the FSB right now. Um, just like he's like, you're not like not like people can do individual acts of terrorism, but to have like a gr- like a big group like this comprised of like former Russian officials. He's like, that's just impossible. That's just not yeah. that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I agree with all of that. Um, honestly, one reason why someone involved in the Russian security state is plausible is because this was such a good bombing. It was like, very I, good. It's it's yeah. I, I'm leaning whoever it is because CIA is also like I'm leaning towards it's it's a state actor or because like fucking bombs are hard to make. Especially like like, almost close to zero percent of the time when an independent terrorist group makes a bomb, does it work the way it's meant to? Yeah, and like like, this, this wasn't even ignition based. This blew up as she was driving on the highway. So like people have theorized it was, yeah, like it could have been like heat activated. It's it it could have had like a timer based on ignition stuff, but like whatever mechanism that got it to blow that, that got it to blow up is more complicated than your average car bomb and it was way more successful than your average car bomb so yeah. it's like it's it's bizarre how good they were at doing this yeah and, and like i think it's yeah. worth mentioning like okay like th- there was a time where you could just if you needed to make a car bomb like you could hire a guy who would teach you how to make a car bomb like we don't live in that era anymore. Like that. Like you, like in the seventies, you could plausibly do that, right? No, Although, yeah. if there that's the kind of training you want to offer for people to help try to take out Alexander, again, sponsor our podcast. Yeah, we're. <laughs> I, I, yeah, our our podcast sponsored by Becca Valley Two, Becca Harder. <laughs> I, I I do believe that. Uh, I I have this one source here 
that that it's they the FSB claimed that the the bomb was either made of or equivalent to 500 grams of TNT, which is what? That seems, no, that seems like a bit much. Which is complete yeah. bullshit. But it's that's just like what of, you'd use in Oregon to get rid of a whale. But that's but, but that's but, but that's just one of the statements that that's like that's one of the statements that that the FSB has made on this that it's 500 grams of TNT, which is just not true. Like that's just no. not how bombs yeah. work. Um, so now we're going to get to some, we're, we're going we're to close off here by talking about the, 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 the aftermath and, uh, the televised funeral. Um, because, oh, because it's kind of funny. So, okay, uh, family, funny. friends, dozens of colleagues and acquaintances of Daria Dugina got together, uh, live on TV <laughs> on the, the Tuesday after, after, uh, after her death to bid their final farewell to the quote unquote journalist killed in the car bomb attack outside of Moscow. That's quoting from TASS, one of the, uh, one of the Russian uh, state-funded mm-hmm. media outlets. Um, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to read a quote from Alexander Dugan, who, this is something he said on the televised funeral, quote, She had no fear, really, and the last time we talked was at the festival tradition. She said, Daddy, I feel like a warrior. I feel like a hero. I want to be with my country. I want to be on the light side of the force. She's with a lot of Russian people now. And, and, yeah, and she's, she's with about 50,000 or so other Russians right now. So. I just love that, like, she's saying that. Yeah. that his daughter walked up to her and said, Daddy, I want to be on the light side of the force. She's, like, yeah. in her mid-30s. Like, what the fuck? Like, I mean, a, a significant chunk of her body mass was converted into light. <laughs> I just, I just, I just said and, that. I, I, I don't know. I just think it's a really funny thing that that Dugan was saying on this televised funeral. Just a, it's a bizarre quote. Um, he also said that uh, he wanted to bring up his daughter the way that he saw the ideal person to be, uh, saying, "quote The first words that we taught her as a child were Russia, our state, our people." And our empire, unquote. Yeah. Which again, none of this is true. Like he's just no, bullshitting. But it's just he's like just a weird thing to <laughs> yeah. say at your daughter's yeah. funeral. Nah, you yeah. gotta look. Look, he got you, a daughter. It's like any other kind of investment, right? Like, and since she's been exploded, you got to get as much as you can. Like, really, it's like wringing out a towel. You know, uh, you, you got to just make that last little bit count. And then uh, Vladimir Putin, uh, a few days after after the assassination, signed a decree to uh, to award her with the Order of Courage post <laughs> posthumously. So she I, she did she did explode courageously. It, so yeah, that is that that's the assassination of Dugan's daughter. It's wild because right. we don't really actually know. We don't we we don't really know who actually did it. We 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 don't know nope. much about the actual event. We're unsure of the actual the actual like ignition of the bomb, how the bomb actually operated, who actually did it. I mean, obviously, like this whether whether Dugan himself was a target or was specifically um, uh, Daria Dugina. Um, now, obviously, this was like heavily planned based off of her and Dugan's schedule, right? Because they were both openly going to be at this yeah, fascist but that's, cultural yeah, that festival. Anyone could have access to, um, yeah, yeah. But like you know, like it, it 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 did require like you know people were tracking their movements, being like, oh, Dugan's going to be at this festival on this day. Um, so like it's there is a lot of like background work that went into this. 
And it's fascinating yep. that we just we actually know very little about who who it may is. have done this and how and how the bomb actually um, operated. Uh, I, the, the primary clue we have is just how good the bomb was, which yeah. which means one yeah. way or the other a nation state actor probably, but that does not really narrow it much. So yeah, that yeah, was yeah. uh that was again one of the assassinations that happened shortly after we planned assassination week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And you're like, oh two my days gosh, after. Mm-hmm. it's what like okay. man, like it, 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 easily it is, our most successful PR campaign. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of our best bits today. It's, it, I mean, it's it's just so wild to think of like how close Dugan was to dying because remember like he he was planning to leave in that same car and then at the last minute decided uh, to take separate vehicles. So um, was he behind her when it went off, or like? Yeah, yeah. That's oh, wow. why we okay. got that great photo of yeah, him walking yeah. up to the site. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we should point this out too. Like, if, if it had actually been like 500 grams of TNT, like he, it, yes. that bomb would have there still would be been crater. exploding when <laughs> yeah. he walked up to it. Like, we would have yeah, a picture yeah. of him going, "Oh my god!" and then just his face would explode. But no, I mean, like a lot of conspiracy yeah. theories have popped up, being like, "Well, Dugan was supposed to be in that car, and then he left last minute. Maybe he was in on it. Maybe, like, maybe you know, the Russian state told him this was going to happen, and he and he just let it." happen and it was doing it for like this pr thing and like who knows like like do for, m- maybe maybe dugan did know that this was gonna happen like like there's there's no way to like you're just you're just you're just speculating yeah. at that point I, I, I will, you're just creating I, I theories in your own head but it is it is kind of funny that that dugan almost was in that car and then he wasn't and that is uh it, that is that is at the very least an interesting aspect of this assassination um, yep. But it's no evidence for one specific thing, right? Yeah, it, well, it could just be also... like, oh, I I'm gonna make a stop somewhere on my way back home, right? Like, so I'm gonna take this I'm gonna take this other vehicle. Like, it, it, there's so many other possible reasons for why he may have switched cars. Um, but it is it, it's it's another it is another like thing to that that the people are are turning into various theories. Yeah, I, the thing I'll say about that is like you have to have a lot of faith in your bomb maker to drive behind a car bomb. Like intentionally, yeah. like yeah. you've got to be real. Like, and I, I, I don't know. Either I, that, I don't... or you really hate your daughter in a way that's very <laughs> reckless. Yeah, but you could just like <laughs> yeah. turn off the highway or something, or like, oh no, my car broke down. No, like, you need to make sure that bitch goes down. Right <laughs> you you got to yeah. drop her. <laughs> you got to press the big plunger into the box. Yeah. Well, <laughs> at least we're ending on a high note. Oh. Yeah. After. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I, I do All like right, that everybody. we started. We started assassination week with a car bomb, yeah. and we're ending it with a car bomb. <laughs> Five hundred grams of TNT. She declared the nearest church, no doubt. Yeah, it's like yeah. poetry. Yeah. It's like poetry. It rhymes, and mm-hmm. I want to be on the light side of the force. Quote. F- fine. One of the, according to Dugan, one of the last things Daria Dugan said. I want to be on the light side of the force. Somebody, if there were oh. real journalists left in the world, somebody would reach out to George Lucas and just try to get a quote. and you're not don't email him it's like just go to a mall near skywalker ranch and wait until he goes to the sparrow you'll find him all right we're done that does it for us today uh Mm -hmm. check under your driver's side uh door if you're alexander dugan Mm-hmm. Imagine, imagine if he wasn't in, no like, if, 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 if he wasn't involved or wasn't aware of this he is going to be looking over his shoulder like non-stop oh, yeah. now yeah it's awesome. oh, this yeah. is a man who's it's never so getting funny. into a car he hasn't like shimmied it's, under yeah, no, yeah, he's, yeah. he's going to have to look under every car he gets into it's so funny uh, we love to see it anyway mm-hmm. ta-ta alright we're done 
Hey, we'll be back Monday with more episodes every week from now until the heat death of the universe. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit RightRug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.